This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners? And welcome to, finally, episode 64 of the Radio Free Savant podcast, a Horace Heresy 30K podcast. My name's Michael, and I have my co-host here, Derek. Let's see what's going on, Derek. How's it going, everybody? Scott. The juice is loose, everyone. The juice is loose. The juice is loose. And Ryan, who is in a car with a, uh, a whole... Gang of people, it sounds like. Let's see what's going on, Ryan. What's up, everybody? And go and say what's going on, the rest of Ryan's gang. Come on. Oh, hello. <laughs> so it is... Uh, From the mother-in-law. I've been chauffeured by my mother-in-law, so I can do the podcast from the passenger seat of my own truck. That is so nice. That is so great. That is the level of commitment that... Radio Free Istvan has to his listeners out there. Uh, also, as a as a side note here, so you may, if you're an avid listener, you may realize that uh, we are one week behind on a podcast. And just to let you all know out there, all you listeners, that me and Ryan did record an episode on Wednesday. Episode 63.5 is what we called it because it was kind of like a, a Michael's traveling and doesn't have access to his technology, so we're going to try and make it work. And we definitely did record it, but the amount of editing that's going to be required is going to be a minute. So that is going to have to be something that I will have to edit in my free time in my New Mexico travels next week. But uh, it was kind of weird, Ryan. I don't, I don't really know how it happened, but imagine if every time Ryan stopped talking, it paused the recording. So it's like Ryan has no dead air, and I recorded on my end my voice so i just have to like break all of ryan's pauses up and fit them into where i'm talking it's a it's gonna be a process it's gonna be a very fun yeah process. sorry about that no, i don't know fine. why that happened but it's, it's something weird i don't know it's very odd that it did that hopefully we get some email of somebody some somebody else's who does podcasts is gonna like tell us exactly what it is and we'll never have the problem again. But uh, if somebody knows how to quickly edit we that, using, I would definitely appreciate it. We were that. using Audacity, and uh, every time, like Michael said, when I would start talking, it would start recording. And then as soon as I quit talking, it would automatically pause. It's weird. Yeah. So we had that to deal with. Uh, so there is a, uh, another episode with some list in the works that we need to get edited up and thrown on. So you'll probably see episode 64 long before you see episode 63.5, which may not make any sense to you guys, but we're all adults here, and I think you'll be all right. So we've got a we've got a pretty good show for you guys lined up. I mean, we got some sweet voicemails. We got uh, Dan Porter's uh, industrial story that he sent in, so I'm really looking forward to, to that. Of course, we're going to go over some hobby progress that we've all had. It's been two weeks, so we've all had some decent hobby progress coming in. Uh... And then I don't think we're going to have any lists tonight for you guys, but we get there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about 
uh, how we were and everything like that. So when we do the breakdown at the beginning, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. So, and I guess we could discuss some of the things that have dropped this week. And then I kind of want to talk about some of the, uh, the FAQ that just dropped today at some point. I feel like we need to discuss that. But anyway, 8th edition eight FAQ, Ryan. It's okay. Nothing oh. horse RC-wise. Yeah. Don't get too excited. But uh, no more Storm Raven spam happened. But Did anyway. they change it so that uh, 87% of the time the person who goes first uh, doesn't win? Uh, you have to have models on the table to win. Flyers don't count anymore. Well, what I'm saying is, even without flyers, all the current data that everybody's collected from all the big events, they've calculated it, and 87% of the time, the player who goes first wins the game. I don't think they made any changes to that, but we'll, we'll okay. touch base. We'll touch base. We'll we'll touch base on that. Okay. <laughs> but I'm glad you have that data already. <laughs> so anyway, let's 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 do a little roundtable, guys. Let's let's see let's see how everybody's been doing. Let's start with you, Scott. What have you been up to, man? Not even hobby mm. progress wise, just in life. How, how's it going? In life, man, things have been good. Better than I deserve, man. I can't complain. Uh. I got to go up and meet my old buddy Ryan Kimmel for some lunch this Saturday at Debella Subs up in Indianapolis, Indiana. Also got to go to the Children's Museum up there with my kid. I took my spawn for a, for a little afternoon outing. And that place is really baller. If you live in this area or anywhere near Indianapolis and you can make it there, um, just a little aside, but I definitely recommend going. It's like a, a four or five-story building. It is like any museum you would imagine with different exhibits pertaining to different topics. There's like one on ancient China. There's one on ancient Egypt. There's one on the space program. All this stuff. Well, probably I probably spent three hours there. A good solid three hours of constantly moving and checking everything out. And I didn't even see everything that was there. So, all really high quality stuff. A lot of fun. Um, I got to watch them. I'm, I'm kind of a space a space mission nerd, and I got to go to the to a show about the uh, the Liberty Bell space capsule that carried the second man ever into space, and uh, that was pretty neat. Um, I what they they host that show in a planetarium, which I haven't been in one of those since I was like a very small child, and I was sitting there and I just couldn't help but think. That dude went into space in like the 1960s, right? Like 1962, 63. And this is before, you know, a lot of modern technological advancements have been made. I just can't imagine the balls someone like that must have had to let them strap him into this shitty little rocket and shoot him into outer space without knowing what was going to happen. So that was pretty cool. Well, it's like the Joe Rogan bit. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. He talks about how the scientists themselves never go. They always find some Kansas boy that believes in God. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet baby Jesus will carry me through this. Scientists are like, they built the rocket, but they're always like, I ain't fucking on this thing. No, this is not going to be a problem. 
mathematically, I'm just sound. saying, you air it on TV, you're airing it with a tape delay, like a five second tape delay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was really cool, man. I got to do that. I got to eat some good stuff. Um, uh, hobby wise, I guess I could save that later. But a little current event for everybody. For a little current event, uh, Michael Phelps is racing a great white shark, so I'm not going to miss that tonight because there's a side of me that hopes that ends poorly because that would make a pretty good story. That would make a Scott level story for sure. And uh, that race goes south. (laughs) um, I can see the headlines. Like, Michael Phelps races shark. Ends exactly as expected. Yeah, it's... It ends as nature intended. But uh, it turns out sharks oh, can I, jump barriers. The shark did what he was born to do. Michael Phelps racing a shark is just like Conor McGregor fighting Floyd. It's like it, it's like it'll go as planned unless the like you know he does he just decides to not play by the rules and then it goes south really fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that shark goes off script. It's gonna get real messy. I don't know, man. But I just, uh, I just want to wait. Like, so I know for sure there's no great whites in captivity. Like after last year's Shark Week, I learned that real quick that there's no great whites in captivity. So like, where are they getting this great white? Yeah, they all race? die. Yeah. There's a lot of logistics that had to happen to, like, make all this. So there's a lot of money invested in Michael Phelps racing a it's great white shirt. It's got to involve a Saudi prince, right? Yeah. Well, okay, so here's the thing. So there's a ton of money invested into this. And there is, as of right now, I'm guessing that they want to make their money back on viewership somehow. So they couldn't just say, like, don't worry. He's like in a glass cage like they have to have some sort of like reason for people to watch which the only reason i would watch if there's a way it could go south so like they had to like (laughs) so they had to remove like some sort of safety barrier to make this interesting at all so i want to know like where are they skimping on safety they're like no don't worry he's like a tame shark he's got you know we fed him we fed him a seal earlier so he's probably not hungry anymore like you know I, i just like, I, I want to know, like, wh- where'd they get this bat? Like, did they maybe accidentally, like, wh- where'd they get this shark from? Where's this shark? Is he a smart shark? Is he, like, one of them deep blue sea sharks that ate Samuel Jackson? Like, where? <laughs> I need to know some things about no this one is, No one is watching this to admire the athletic prowess of Michael Phelps. We've seen Everyone this. is watching this because they want to see a great white shark do some great white shark shit. <laughs> That's what they want to see. <laughs> We're trying. We're watching NASCAR because we want to see the cars wreck. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that shark. See where they build the fake shark and they like have to set up the scenario where you're trying to poke it in the eye while it's eating you, and it's like there's no way to do it. You've got to use sidestep, man. You can sidestep yeah, side that step. bad boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just, I pictured like some poor man just like, let me just get him by the <laughs> just like, just tear it up. <laughs> yeah. watch, watch the Mythbusters. They set up this shark and they climb in its mouth and it's like thrashing back and forth and you're like supposed to reach up and hit it in the eye and they got, if you hit it in the eye, it shuts it off and then none of them can do it. It's just like totally whipping their ass and it's just like a mechanical shark that's not even actually hurting them. 
Wow, that's oh, a yeah. that's that's a like no man should have ever made that machine. <laughs> just the, <laughs> <laughs> just the, the shark, like oh. Well, they made it so they could practice. Yeah, because well, you don't you don't want to be in the moment yeah. with no practice. <laughs> that's right. Oh, and I wanted to give a I wanted to give a shout out to this badass restaurant we have here in Louisville. I found um, it's Venezuelan cuisine. So I ate there for the first time today. It's called Nalia's. It's spelled N A H Y L A A S. Yeah, Nalia's, and uh, it's pretty dope, man. I ate there today. Um, I've never had like fried plantains or anything like that, but uh, it was pretty damn good. So. If you're in the area, check them out. Nalias. This podcast is yep. There you go. Have you been to a Brazilian-style steakhouse, Scott? I haven't. No, but I've, it's it's highly recommended. I've, When's your birthday? Uh, July 31st. Come up here. So so when next time you get uh, free time, since your birthday's coming up, I'll take you to one for your birthday. We'll go up here to Fogo de Chao. I think you Sounds missed, good, bro. man. <laughs> Oh. Down. <laughs> I missed me, man. That's all I've done. Well, that sounds great. So, I guess we'll move on. Like, uh, Derek, how's life been treating you, buddy? How's this week gone for you? Or two weeks, actually. Well, I've uh, had a rough two weeks with work. Just been a lot going on. Um, and then, uh, hobby progress, I guess I'll hold off on. I'm Made made some made a few breakthroughs in my own personal uh, hobby progress, and then uh, dealing with some more car issues. Dude, your Honda is just not not holding up to the standard as Wolfenstein number one is. Yeah, I mean, from what I hear, so I replaced the battery, and the battery is bad, so I wrecked the starter. So I replaced the starter, and now the alternator went out. So from what I hear, those three tend to go bad about the same time. So. Kind of expected. Hopefully, once I get this all, this all sorted out, I'll be okay. But who knows, man? Well, yeah. But I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. I'm glad you can vent that to everybody on the internet now. Yeah, <laughs> I am too. So, if there's anybody a with a uh, what, what year card do you have? Oh <laughs> five. An O five Honda Accord alternator lying around that they don't need. Uh, well, I mean, it's already uh, it's being taken care of theoretically right now. Oh. Oh, even better. Yeah, my dad knows a guy. That's almost. Oh, that's a little dark. <laughs> what? Anyway, it sounds like Ryan is getting back to his house right now. <laughs> sounds I, like he just got home. <laughs> if I uh, could judge noises. So. Yeah, that's my garage door going up. So I'm walking to my actual computer as we speak. Okay, yeah, so so using the power of uh, movie magic, Ryan should sound a lot better and closer now. Than do he I did sound before. better and closer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. So while we're on topic of discussing how everybody's week went, how did your week go, Ryan? Well, it went great and also unexpected. So the unexpected thing was which we can talk about a little bit, was MKA closing up shop. Oh, dude, for real. We do need to discuss that. But continue. So I wake up, 
and I'm going through my Facebook messages, and I'm like, I see MKA closing up shop. Uh, you know, th this is it. Uh, we this is going to be our last event. It's in uh, Cardiff in the UK, and and that. And here's the details. And I'm like, well, shit, because it's something you know we've talked about on here. It's something I've been wanting to do for a long time, and I was planning on doing it next year because I've been talking with Freddie, and Freddie was trying to. Freddie was going to get them back over to Sweden next year, and I was planning on uh, going over there to Sweden next year and hanging out with Freddie and doing MKA. Well, anyway, because they're closing up shop, I got to looking at the date, and it's, it was uh, September 30th and October 1st, I think, or 31st and 1st. It's the last day of September, and the first day of October is the class. So I got to looking because I'm on the hook for doing the Michigan GT. So the Michigan GT isn't until the following weekend. And then I, we also have our event that we're hosting, but it's September 23rd. So it's the weekend before. So it fell literally on the weekend, right in between two weekends where, you know, I have an event I'm hosting here and then have an event I'm doing in Michigan. So I'm like, well, that's like fortuitous timing. That kind of worked out. So then I'm like, well, what about airline tickets? So there's this airline called wow airline that is subsidized by the Icelandic government. It's an Icelandic airline, but they subsidize it. Kind of like how here in the U.S., Vegas, the casinos will subsidize flights to Vegas to get people to fly out to Vegas, and they figure they make their money up on the back end through tourism and uh, gambling. So that's kind of what Iceland does, is they figure, because all the flights, wow, airlines, you have at least, a, like, you land in Reykjavik, so they're kind of like, or... You know, you'll you'll travel around and you know spend money, and the, they'll make up more money with tourism dollars than they will, you know, losing money as far as subsidizing flights. Well, anyway, they have these specials like once a month. They'll have a special someplace where the flights are really cheap. So I just like shot in the dark. I looked, and it was so funny. There's a flight to Bristol, which is right next to Cardiff in the UK, as far as I can tell. I'm looking at the map of the UK. I don't, you know. It's like looks close on the map. Yeah, like it's, it's less. Like it's less miles. than my. <laughs> it's less than my. It's less than my thumbnail on the map. We'll put it that way. So, just just for accuracy's sake, get your thumbnail out and look at that, and that's how far it is. So, anyway, their neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> Same neighborhood. I was like, so the flight there is only about two hundred and twenty bucks. Oh shit! On on Wow Airline. So I went ahead and booked the class and bought my flights. So and then I. Uh, uh, one of our patron guys, Alistair, over at Legion of Lies, he's going, and so I'm going to room with him, and then um, I'm working with some guys over there, uh, Tom from the Geno 5-2, and maybe some other UK guys to help me get some supplies, because trying to fly with like paints and mineral spirits and shit like that, they're going to fucking just be like not happy about that, so I'm trying to work something out where I can get all that stuff uh, bought for me over there, and then I'll just pay them the money and then go over there and have it waiting on me and then just ship it back or something after the class is over. Wow, dude. That is... Uh, so you're, like, going to fly up there, like, what, a Thursday and then land a Friday? Yeah, I'll leave, leave here on th I'll leave here on Thursday, land, land there on Friday, uh, get checked into the hotel or whatever, um, then... Uh, the class is on the 30th and the 1st, and then right after the class is over, I'll have to get on a train or a bus and go to London because my return flight's out of London. 
I, they didn't have a return flight out of Bristol. So then I'll have to take a train cross country to London and then fly out of London. And then the, my my flight to and from there leave out of Chicago. So I'm going to have to take a bus from Minneapolis to Chicago, get a taxi from the bus station to the airport to get on a plane to fly there to get a taxi to go to Cardiff, Bristol, then take a train from Cardiff to London, then fly back on the plane and then get a bus back to Indianapolis. So there's going to be a lot of travel involved to do all this. Ugh. Just to learn how to paint like a fucking boss. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> so it's going to be quite the Lord of the Rings style uh, journey. You're going uh, on an adventure. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get some. Uh, I'll leave my shoes at home and glue some hair to the top of my feet. And then I'll get some of that bread that fucking Derek's eating and pretend it's that fucking oven bread shit. That, <laughs> that, that uh, is actually. Yeah, that's, that's about as close to. Yeah. <laughs> It's Elvin bread. <laughs> and then after I make it back, three days. then after I make it back, and I'm like a mile from my house, a giant great eagle will land, and then just fly me the rest of the way, and then everybody can just go, why didn't it just fly you there? And right. I'll go, I don't know. That would have made total sense just to fly over there and just jump off the great eagle to begin with. I don't know why I did all these fucking needless steps. And then we can <laughs> debate that on because the then, internet. Because uh, then the great eye would have seen them coming. Like, they had to stay under the radar. That's why the Great Eagles didn't come. Oh. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... that's. <laughs> but yeah, I got... got so anyway, I got signed up for AA, which is... It's really cool. Um, I'm, like, obviously super, super excited about that. Um, the other cool thing that happened this week was uh, Brian Steele... I know people don't care because it's Dark Age, not 30K, but I care. People who listen to this podcast or listen to my other one know that I'm hosting the Dark Age event at the Michigan GT. So Brian Steele reached out to me and wanted to put in contact with the Michigan GT guys. So he's going to show up at the Michigan GT uh, in an official capacity and do some seminars and stuff, which like really raises the profile of my event. So he'll actually be on hand for my Dark Age event. So once again, that would be like having Alan Bly uh, rest in peace, Alan Bly. It'd be like having Alan Bly like at your 30k event, which is pretty cool. Nice, That's nice, way cool, dude. That's a way cool. Maybe I've heard that Cardiff way. is really nice too. It's like right on the ocean, I guess. It's a big vacation spot there, so you can like go to the beach and not have to worry about getting eaten by a sea monster like you do here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and then as far as uh, hobby stuff goes, I painted. I think we talked about this on the episode that's not out yet, but people haven't heard that yet. I painted this chaplain right here. Nice. Because I we're, beautiful, we have a chaplain. event we have a, an event up in Michigan coming weekend, so I needed that done, and then I painted this uh, sanguinary priest guy with jump pack. So I'll use him as a apothecary with jump pack. Sweet. And then I got two assault marines, just basic assault marines that I need to paint that are like half. Um, they should be done Monday, and then I'm gonna jump back on terrain. Killing it, dude! Killing it! I really like that apothecary. Like, could you post? Can we post that up on the uh, on the Facebook page? Yeah, that it's, white. I need looks to take so good. I need to take some good pictures because I was trying to take pictures at work, and it's whiting it. Like, the lights in the in the the office there are like real bright fluorescent. So if you try to photograph white, it just like the colors like get white out flat. Yeah. yeah. 
So I'll try to get some good pictures of both him and the chaplain. Like I said, I'm going to wait. I'll finish those assault Marines Monday because this chaplain's not even based yet. So I'll yeah. take him to work. And uh, when I finish the assault Marines and base them, I'll base him at the same time. And I'll take photos of all four of them and post them up on our Facebook. I take it, dude. It looks good. I like that white Mark IV jump pack. That looks super good. Like, and then I super clean. So sick of these fucking things. I can't. Don't know if you can see how detailed these stupid fucking tiles are that I'm painting. Dude, I was I was watching you like update the progress of those tiles. That's a what secret weapon miniatures? Uh, junk or trash? Weather. Yeah, see all the weathering I did, like all the chipping and weathering on all the shit. I don't know yeah. if you can see that or not. You should be proud of yourself. Is that Rise of Rust, or is that that rust that you use, that you paint on? This is all just done with a brush. This is oh. just orange paint and paint yeah. mix that I stopped. There's no cheating here, sir. This is just brushwork. It's all brushwork. Beautiful. That's a beautiful, beautiful tile for people to wipe their nacho cheese fingers on. Their Cheeto cheese fingers on. <laughs> so I'm probably average. It's taking about... I don't know, five or six hours a tile. And I'm doing a whole table's worth of them. And then I got to do all the buildings that you want them. Yikes. It's real life. But yeah, these are the scrapyard tiles from Secret Weapon. They look great, man. You should send pictures to Secret Weapon whenever you're done because uh, that's exactly <laughs> what they want people to have their well, tiles I'm, look like. I'm friends with uh, Mr. Justin's brother. I told you that, guys, that before. So, Send him pictures. Yeah, I can. And then the last thing I did yesterday, um, the Varangian Heresy guys reached out to me and wanted to know if I wanted to record an episode with them. So the next Varangian Heresy episode to come out, uh, I'm, I'm on there. Oh, what were you talking about? Were you talking about? List? It was a, tr no, it was a terrain episode. Oh yeah, you got nice. You're. you're the most terrain <laughs> expert that I know of. So, you got it. You so can't. we did do. They they had some lists. I guess they do list reviews too. So they they did help me. They did have me help with the list reviews. So I think we reviewed two lists, two or three lists. I think two. We did a World Eater list and a Blood Angel Day of Revelation list, and then um then we did terrain talk. So we did like 20, 30 minutes of list reviews, and then there's about two hours worth of terrain talk. So I I think it's a really good episode. Uh, Freddie, Freddie wasn't around, so it's just it was just me, Jody, and Chris, uh, or Christopher. I guess I don't know what he prefers. I call him Chris, um, but uh, it was a really good episode. I had a really good time recording with those guys. Badass. I like all of them. They're all great dudes. Yep. Go check out the Varingian Heresy podcast, listeners. If you're not already, I'm sure you are. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Just tight. Just tight. So uh, me. Uh, I was in New Mexico uh, all this past week and the week before, so uh, that's what I was doing. I uh, just did a bunch of IT stuff. Um, I did get a final number for the cost of Heresy Camp, so we're going to have to look into what the what we're going to charge. Like Basically, we know what the camp's going to charge, and we're going to see like where we're going to fall in. I think what we'll end up doing is probably having a Kickstarter uh, for Heresy Camp, and then once we get the hundred and like I think the number is going to be one thirty-five. They have one hundred thirty-five beds, 
And so if we can have 20 people that are just like, I guess like heresy camp counselors, I guess it's the best thing I could say, think of. Like, I think like all of us would be a camp counselor and then like the TFL guys. And then there's some choice people out there that I know will be coming that are really good at running events and things like that, that we'll probably have as camp counselors. So there'll probably be like 115 slots open and then what I'll do is once we kind of figure out what the prize is going to be, we'll set up like a Kickstarter. And if we can meet the amount of people to buy tickets, then it'll be like fully funded. If we could just hand uh, the camp the check and then everything will be like in place. But that, I mean, that's not going to be till like next year sometime. But just to give you all an idea that that's in the works. Um, and as well, if you are really good at running events or you think that you have an event that you want to want, like you want to run uh during one of those three days uh shoot us an email at michael warmer 30k.com ryan at warmer 30k.com scott at warmer 30k.com or derek at warmer 30k.com uh shoot us an email if you want to run an event i don't care if it's like a painting course uh a terrain making course if you have like a cool idea for like uh like a bit swap or bits bizarre or anything like that like any of those three days if you want to run an event or anything like that let us know uh, that way we can start talking with you and like getting some sort of, uh, I guess camp uh, camp agenda kind of filled out so we can start getting a schedule. And, and even if even if you're just an attendee, like you, if you're like I'm for sure 100 percent one of it attend this, and you have an idea for an event that maybe you, you know, couldn't pull off or you know don't want to do but you want to participate in, just at least let us know what it is, give us ideas because we might be able to make it happen. Yeah, exactly, guys. And I know that I mean. This isn't exactly something that's like uh, we can uh, base anything off of. So there's like a lot of things that we probably don't know that you want. Like I know there's been talk about like people that wanted like a game night or something like that. Like we're like board games and shit or like, you know, if you want like something like that, just let us know. Like anything you guys want, we'll try and like schedule out like roughly. Like I know Ryan has talked about like having a like a build a praetor challenge or something like that and like you know a giant like bits dump where like you bring we all bring our spare bits and dump them and then i mean there's just so many things that we, we've kind of like talked about so anything that you think off the top of your head would sound fun send us that in an email and we'll start working on some sort of like schedule agenda or something like that i know it's over a year away at this point like it's <laughs> it's it's pretty far in the future but the sooner we can start getting things in the works the the better and then if true well i mean it, it's a it's a year away but i would say i mean i'm not going to use the word like best or whatever but i will say it's the most like however you want to work like adventurous like exploratory like we're definitely forging like a new path with this style of event this is definitely something way out there that nobody's even you know tried to even closely do with 30k trivia quiz we got to do a trivia quiz, man. We have a trivia night. <laughs> Some sort of a trivia night it could definitely be in the works. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, like, you know, we talked about uh, having all the podcasters that'll be there. Um, have them have like a Q and A session. Like, if we have any like celebrities there or anything like that, have them do Q and As. Uh, I mean, we can look into yoga classes or I, I wanted to do a family feud style game show amongst the podcasters for trivia nice perfect that'd be great good lord that'd be awesome 
And whoever the host is, we got. We have to get like. I kind of want him to be. Like my f- initial thought for a fucking host was Josh Delarosa in a goofy fucking <laughs> suit. Like, how awesome would that be? But I kind of want him to be one of the contestants too. So it's like, but we need somebody that's uh, like fun that has like a really like crazy personality like Josh. That would just be a really great host to ask the questions and say crazy shit and wear a funny suit. Zach would be good, too, because Zach's very quick-witted and funny. Yeah, man, that'd be cool. That would be that'd be very cool. Like, There's a whole bunch of things that like we need to try and figure out like how we're going to do it and anything like that. So, like I said, guys, we're open to suggestions. We're, we're open to – if you want to run an event, like – I know there's people out there just like like Zach Paget and like uh, uh, Chris Evans, like all them, like Jeff are, Cro- Jeff from Michigan GT. Any of those yeah, guys, Jeff, like any of any of you guys, if y'all are listening right now, uh, I've kind of already included you in that twenty, and like just kind of hoping that you'll accept <laughs> my accept my offer to run an event. <laughs> so. But I mean, we're we're looking at if if you could just imagine for three days straight, twenty four seven. I'm looking at probably like sixty tables will be available to play on with solid terrain on them, twenty four seven. So we can section you off like ten tables or anything like that if you're running an event. You know, we can section you off up to twenty tables. I mean, and I mean, you could have your event at. You know, 10 o'clock in the morning, you can have your event at 3 o'clock in the fucking morning. Like, you can have some... I know, like, at Adepticon, they do... Um, was it Beer Hammer or whatever, Whiskey Hammer? And they also do that Night Hammer where it's, like, all LED displays and everything like that. So, anything like that you can think of. We probably need to reach out to Powerplay Gaming, see if they want to do something. Because uh, they run that event. But, I don't know. We're trying to make it as, like, great as possible, so... If you have some ideas, we're gladly accepting them. So, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, we want it to be for the people coming. So, like, we we want to come up with ideas, but we don't want to like make this really structured event where you're basically, you know, doing what we wanted to do or like this is the event, whatever. We want you like we want it to be like you show up, and we want some structured things that you can choose from if you want to do that. But we also just want people who want to show up and just like. Well, th- I want I want this crazy idea. I want to do this, or you know, I want to play this game and then do this. Like basically, as free form possible, where you get the most out of your time there and can get just like what the basically tailor the experience for what you're wanting out of it. Yeah, dude. Even if Burger you don't want to play, you can have it your way. Yeah. yeah. Even if you don't want to play the entire week, you know, or the entire three days, like you just want to like chill out and just hang out with like like minded people. I mean, that can totally be in your realm. <laughs> Like there's nothing. Some uh, some summer camp shenanigans. Yeah, just normal summer camp shenanigans, and just like you know, hang out with the guys that like share an interest you do. I mean, that's totally possible to do as well. Like, there's no pressure to play, boys. Like, you can just hang out. So, anyway, that's uh, we're we're sure we're gonna talk about it a lot more as it gets closer. But that was just like now that we have like final pricing, it is in the price range that. I thought it was going to be in, so uh, I don't know, man. Start looking into flights into Corpus Christi is all I can say. It's only like 30 minutes away from Corpus Christi Airport. So, anyway, also on that, real quick, while I got it, like, as well, 
that that town is a tourist town, Rockport, Texas. And so if you have a significant other that you uh, have to run things by or would take with you for this Texas trip for three days, uh, there are things for them to do. And right now we kind of are in the works with having like a, uh, a Wives of Heresy uh, tour group kind of thing. Like we can block out hotels like for for your wives or anything like that, and we can kind of set up a Wives of Heresy like group that can that can walk around and you know kind of go do other things while you're getting your nerd on. So something else to think yep. about if you're if you're planning a vacation next year, next September ish. Yep, and I ran that by my wife, and she th- she thought that sounded like a really cool idea, something like that. Would she come? Would she, would she would she go? Yes, I think she would. That's cool. That's what I like to hear. I like getting the family involved. So, anyway, yeah. So uh, that that happened this week. Uh, also, we've got a sweet sweet uh, giveaway coming up uh, right now, guys. If you're not already following Black Label Painting on Facebook, I know we talk about David Sampson all the time, and you know, kind of we do talk about him. Uh, David did get a pre-production copy of the Custodes Night Upgrade Kit. And so he's right now painting up a Custodes Questorus Night. Uh, so if you're not following him on Facebook, go ahead and go like him and subscribe to him on Facebook because his intentions are to have a giveaway sometime this coming week here or so of that Custodes Night. So you can have a fully pro-painted uh, Black Label Painting Custodes Night. Definitely something to go check out because uh, that thing is killer. Uh, Comrade Quiche made that. And Shapeways, you know, we were dealing with Shapeways with, with our last giveaway. They were so impressed with our last giveaway that we did because of you guys going and liking Share Everything that it kind of rolled into another contest and they asked us who we would recommend and so uh, we kind of got kind of got black label painting involved to get a shapeways giveaway so uh the more y'all support this the more it happens and i mean it's just all about you know cool yep. stuff like this more opportunities for free shit more nobody can be mad at that for free shit for you yeah i couldn't be mad at that so but that that happened this week that was pretty exciting but I guess I guess I can jump into hobby progress and uh, since since Ryan got his hobby progress on there, uh, so hobby progress wise, I got my knights legs in, so I have started building my knights. Actually, as soon as I got home, that was the first box I opened, and before I even like unpacked my bags, I started putting together knights legs, as you do. Um, so started putting together those puzzle knight legs. There's a bunch of mold slips in them. It's pretty shitty. Uh, because I went through a certain Chinese recaster because they don't make those night legs anymore. Reposable or opposable night legs. So there's a lot of work that I have to do there, but uh, I'm pretty excited, man. Like it's, I'm I'm seeing my, my night army slowly starting to take shape and everything like that. So, and those legs like really take the model from like zero to a hundred. Cause like every, once you see a night legion and all of them are like doing the same, like haya stance, like when you're watching like the Cobra Kai, like kids all punching at the same time, like <laughs> it's like 
all throwing your foot forward or whatever. So having him like right now, I just modeled this last one up stomping on a, on a, uh, a jet bike. So, but a little, I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. Cause I can like pose his toes and everything to like wrap around the jet bike and yeah, pretty excited about that. And then I got a, I a paint it, scheme. I like that. Yeah, the only thing that sucks is that mold slip, man. You gotta fix that. You gotta fix that somehow. Like, dremel it all out and do all that stuff. So, it's just gonna be more work, but I think it was well worth the investment for those legs, man. They look so cool. And then, like, my night is gonna be something like what, like eighty percent third party at that point. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it's got it's got the normal night kit. It's got the the. Uh, the Taylor or whatever his name is, a Talor arms. Then he's got the Forge World Megara upgrade upgrade kit. So it's like there's like fifteen percent Games Workshop in there. <laughs> like the rest is like you know Forge World Taylor and then like uh, Comrade Quiche design legs. So, but I tried out a uh, new paint scheme. I was actually I was telling Scott earlier while we were on the pre call that. Uh, I've been trying out this paint scheme, which is uh, it's lead belcher base. Then it's a typhus corrosion on top of that. And then it's a dry brush of rise of rust. And then you go through and you line highlight with a Necron compound. It's, it's less of a line highlight, more like a dry brush over that. But it kind of like makes it look like really old metal. And so I'm going to go over the entire metal portion of the night with that, uh, with that like rusty metal body look. So it doesn't look all clean and everything. It'll look like a busted up fucking night. I don't know. It, I it, really, really a- like those technical effects, man. They're, they're sweet and they're, they're a really good way to get a very expedient effect. I think especially that the rise of rust and like the oxide paints, they're not as cool quite as detailed and like as realistic as some of the AK interactive stuff, but it can be pretty effective if you know what you're doing. I'm just kind of afraid that I'm going to like run through like five bottles of typhus corrosion and then realize I'm breaking Oh yeah. Whenever That's I could have just happen. like, <laughs> cause like I, like is hey, there here's any AK... a pro tip. Don't use a brush you like with the typhus corrosion <laughs> because it does dry up. Uh, like it'll, it'll fucking wreck your, your brush. So just buy some cheap, uh, hobby lobby ones to apply that stuff on i i did i did have that hobby hobby tip uh beforehand so i have been using some decent brushes like is there any like i know you use a lot of ak interactive you use mig as well right yeah, yeah. is there anything that you'd like recommend for like rust effects wise there besides like i, I really did. don't like that rise of rust too much like it's way too orange like instead of that like deep red that i i I like is rust wise it is really brightly orange um the one i would go with that i think creates a little more of like pigment transfer onto the model is uh from the reaper master series so they sell um you know paints as well acrylic paints and uh, dropper bottles and the two paints you're going to want to look at are orange brown and harvest brown and those have been recommended me me by a guy uh, named Kenny Boucher who owns Next Level Painting, and <laughs> yeah. I've yeah I, I those over any type of metallics like any type of you know 
traditional true metal metallics like a Vallejo metallic uh, airline or any of those, they're going to create a little more of a realistic, you know, rust effect. I think, I think, and it's, it's a lot easier to apply to, you go through less of it and it's a little less, you know, cartoony. I think a little bit of rise of rust looks really good, but less is more with it. Yeah, dude, you actually like hit the nail on the head with that one. Like uh cartoony is like definitely like it's like super yeah. blown out rusty with that riser rust. And so right, like, right. <laughs> Pick your spots. You know, so, it put it in a few very like sparse raised places can really help like make it pop, but I don't don't go crazy with it, I don't think. Vallejo makes some um, some environmental paints for uh like military scale model scale models like actually like supposed to be like you know ultra realistic like the guys that use for like competition military models uh if you just type in vallejo environmental effects paint for model tanks or whatever into google they have a whole line they have like engine soot old rust new rust things like that and they come in a come in a really like a, a real big bottle you know how big like the Tamiya paints are like the Tamiya bottle paints like yeah. that size yeah. they're like that size but they're taller and you get a bunch of them, a bunch of it for whatever the price is. They're called uh, environmental paints. And then there's a company named Wilder um, Paints that sells, like, they're the same way. Oh, Here, I got their pamphlet. I'm actually looking right now, and I see Vallejo weathering effects, rain marks. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is the other thing. I don't know if you can see this. Michael, this Wilder, that's their logo. This Nitro line, Wilder Nitro line. This is the stuff that I watched that one hour YouTube video on weathering like actual military models. And if you look like, I don't know, see that, like all those bottles there, they got like light rust effect, medium rust effect, all that. And these are, uh, you can th then down here that like different, like shades of rust, brown rust, chunky rust, wet, you know, dry rust, like runny rust. There's all kinds of different kits. And I bought a whole bunch of this shit on that video that I watched and these guys also sell, they sell oil paints, pigments, filters, washes, because those fucking military modeler guys go goddamn balls deep in weathering. And They're that's, serious. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of that course that, you know, not necessarily a course, but Scott reached out to that place in Kentucky that does stuff like this. And we were looking into doing that. And I, I know for a fact, just based on the, so I got my list for my MKA course that I'm taking of the stuff that I need to take. And a lot of the stuff that it's required for you to take the class is stuff like this. Huh. It's not necessarily this brand, but it's, you know, oil paints and AK interactive stuff and pigment fixer and things like that. So I've never seen this Vallejo environmental stuff, but like I'm looking at it right now and there's stuff like a uh, splash mud. There's a uh, there's crushed moss. Yeah, yes. Moss. And yep. Like, there's yeah, a uh, there's a store here locally in Louisville called Scale Reproductions that sells the entire Vallejo kits, and they have some of the MIG kits that are like it's it's a it's a collection of paints and weathering pigments that are scaled to create a specific look for like a specific vehicle in an environment like say a tan German tiger in, you know, Northern Africa, 1941, they'll have a kit with all the appropriate pigments to recreate what they're going for. And, uh, that store is actually really badass. It's like the best painting hobby store I've ever been in. And it's not too far from where I live. Maybe, uh, 
20 minutes or so. Those uh, Vallejo effect paints, I got mine at Hobbytown USA. So the our, uh, at least my Hobbytown here carries them. I don't know if, if you guys have one of those down there where you're at, Michael, but they may have them in stock or you can just order them online. That Wilder stuff, I couldn't find. The closest place I could find that carried the Wilder stuff was in Michigan. Um, that place that Scott is talking about, he may have them too, but they didn't come up when I did a search. But um, I just I just bought mine online and had them shipped just because I couldn't find a local place that carried them. Yeah, we uh we don't have a hobby town. We have a hobby lobby, but uh, the, they won't have that stuff. No. Uh, Goldmine Games they they carry pretty much all the Vallejo they can, so they they might have something close to that. I have to check it out, dude. Like, man, these are some these are some crazy stuff, man. I've never. I'm glad I asked for y'all's advice. You can always find that stuff Amazon Prime to get that free ship, probably free. Yeah, there eBay because so, a lot of stores just sell it on eBay, and you like that's what I'll do. Usually, I'll I'll look on eBay for like the best price, and then click other items and see if they also carry all the other stuff I want. Just get it all from one place where I, you know, only have to pay like two three dollars to ship it all or whatever. Dang, dude, they have different kinds of muds too: European mud, Russian mud. Industrial mud, yeah, crazy brown right? mud, what is black that? mud, <laughs> oil stains, fuel stains. Dude, military modelers stains. don't play games, man. They're they're serious. Like, yeah, I just like what they're evaluated on are minute details that like that stuff really matters. I suppose you know, yeah, just for paint. So <laughs> they're like, are you using dark mud on your <laughs> on your tank? <laughs> he was <laughs> like, he was in the Middle East. Why would he have dark mud? You fool! <laughs> yeah, <right. Yeah. laughs> I watched that that one hour video that I posted on our Facebook page. If you listen to it, he was like, "Oh well, the tools for this this kind of tank, like uh, during this you know time period, they attached them to the tank before they painted the tank, so it's going to be painted the same green that the tank is. They just like." painted the tools but if you got, had a tank from this one year later for this one six month period they had to swap the tools out because they wanted this other thing and then they were added to the tank after it was painted so those would have an actual wood handle and the handle was made of cherry so make sure you don't paint it in oak or whatever because that's not I'm like jesus christ like, <laughs> like holy fuck i'm going down <laughs> <laughs> like I could just imagine, like uh, Mr. Montalongo to the front. It's like, yes, sir. It's like we're here judging your your tank, and uh, we noticed you had a uh, a pair of channel locks from 1954 when the channel lock wasn't invented. For like, it's like fuck, <laughs> you got me. Well, you <laughs> see, actually, this tank was piloted by uh, this uh, particular enthusiast. He happened to have invented the channel lock, but he didn't file a patent on it. And uh, actually, if you'll uh, look that up, you'll find that actually this tank did have those channel locks. And then the room goes it goes completely silent. <laughs> like you just like dunked on like Michael <laughs> Jordan. Like, oh my God, he's right. My yeah. God, he's right. Yeah, those historical uh, historical war gamers don't mess around. Yeah. So no, those are cool effects. But uh, you know, looking at like it's pretty discouraging to look at some of those tanks that have that effect on there. Like. You know what? I'll just use my cartoony Rise of Us. <laughs> I'll use my blown out proportion rust. Whereas, like, they're gonna tell me what kind of oxidation it would feel like in if you were in Europe in 1931. What's the humidity humidity at where this was rusted? Yeah, it was a it was a dry year that year, so there wouldn't be rust, you fool. Uh, 
So anyway, yeah. So, so any other anybody else got hobby progress they want to talk about? So yeah, man, I got a games played. I got a sweet games played with my buddies, uh, Wesley and Nick. So first off, I got my Adepticon room reserved. Boom. Oh yeah, so, me too. That's same here. Thing. I'm doing it tonight. There you go. See, pretty pumped about that. Uh, I'm going. To anyone who's never been to Adepticon. You hear all the horror stories about registration and how hard it gets in, and those are all 100% true because <laughs> it dulls out in about 10 minutes. But even if you don't get in and all you can do is get in on the wait list, I'd still recommend going because those guys that run that event really have their stuff together. They, they will ensure you know you have a good time, and you'll get to play. Even if it's just open gaming at night, you'll get to do something 30K-related, and it'll be worth your time. So, I don't think Freddy made it into any event like on official signup. He was there with his army in hand at the beginning of every event. Right. And just yeah. from people not showing up, he was able to play in every game he wanted to play in. There you go. So, you know, if you're if you're on the fence about it or you're not sure, I would I would go anyway because it's going to be worth it. It's a huge spectacle. But uh, my buddy Wesley is going to be my roommate. And he's he's a guy I've played with. Uh, 40k fantasy we were uh big into fantasy and um now i i I got his i got the needle in his arm for 30k so he um he's going with me i've been playing with him since i was probably 18 years now maybe since i was 10 years old him and another friend of mine nick and i played a a doubles game against them it was those two against me and they were playing 2,000 points each and i played 4,000 points of solar ox so mission was blood feud what blood feud is is it's essentially kill points by the mission it's kill points with a caveat that you can pick a unit type that will give you a kill points buff if you kill that specific unit type so if you pick you know unit type infantry you get plus one victory point for that or unit type super heavy you'll get plus two victory points for that whatever so my list was I don't have their list like their hard copies on me, but I, I have you know my list and I can kind of give you an idea of what they're playing because their lists were uh, too dissimilar. Um, my list was Lord Marshall with the Displacer Matrix because I had 15 <laughs> points and Fimble doesn't suck. Um, my second HQ was a tank was a tank commander with tank hunters. We'll go over what ride he was in later. Uh, hey, real quick. Scott just wanted to take the Displacer Matrix so we could use rules that nobody knows how the fuck they work. That's right. I, I'm a fan of confusion and chaos. <laughs> I like to argue with my opponent whenever my whenever my HQ gets annihilated by an insta-kill. Like, right. <laughs> some men just like to watch the world burn. So that's yeah. me. Um, my first true choice was an infantry tertio of two last rifle sections, the 20-man last rifle sections behind an Aegis defense line with a quad gun. Uh, the reason I took those in a tertio together was if they're within a certain proximity of each other and one of them breaks, they have a rule that lets them re-roll uh, like a leadership check to see if like, off the board like scared based humans, but they, they all die anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, second, second infantry tertio was two 10-man squads of Velatari. They were just the standard guys you think of the Volkai Chargers and Drakasans with demolisher cannons, flare shields, and armor So they were in the, the 
party buses. Um, that's pretty durable mobile scoring unit. And those Velotaris are only 115 points. Granted, they're basic fucking humans. But they always seem to do pretty well if you put them in the right place at the right time. They have a lot of attacks in close combat. Uh, they have the... It's like fighting formation. I don't know the exact verbiage, but if they're initiative step, if they're in base-to-base -base with each other, they get plus one weapon skill. So that's not terrible. And they overwatch at plus one ballistic skills. The so 20 Volkai charger shots, if you charge into that, you're going to take some damage. Um, my one elite's choice was just one quad mortar battery at three quad mortars. Uh, they're just solar ox quad mortars. They have the regular shell and the shatter shells. My fast attack was a Thunderbolt heavy strike fighter with ground tracking auguries and a squadron of two Lehman Rust vanquishers with whole mounted last cannons. The reason why I have a squadron of two as opposed to two individual choices is I was playing an onslaught detachment, and in onslaught, you only have two fast attack choices, and I need the models for points because this is almost like all my collection. So, uh, my heavy support, I had two identical mouth doors taken in separate slots, heavy support slots, with demolisher cannon, flare shields, armor ceramite, and siege armor. Uh, they're really, really durable. I mean, there are 14, 13, 12 vehicles with flare shields and armor ceramite, six hole points, super heavies. They're really tough. Um, they draw a lot of attention, too, because, you know, demolisher cannons, the battle cannons, all cannons, all shooting at separate targets. So if you're really clever with your target priority, you can really kind of squeeze the point efficiency out of 320 points on those guys. My last heavy slot was Malcolm. Furnace with hole mounted inferno cannon and armored ceramite. Um, honestly, I played this thing in a lot of games, find it to be very underwhelming. Uh, maybe it's just what I'm playing against, but if you play multiple models, like for instance, just Aaron or Fire Drakes or Cax or anything like that, it'll kill single wound models really well, but anything other than that, it doesn't really, you know, like. A castle axe unit will just walk straight through that shit, punch it in the face, and kick it mm -hmm. into the sun, which is uh, what Fire Drakes did to this one So <laughs> in this game. But uh, I get two Lord of War slots in my list, and since we're playing a 4,000-point game, it's 25% of that 4K smart uh, per choice is what the, the codex says specifically. So I took the Shadow Sword with a pair of side sponsons. That's where my tank hunter went. Or my tank hunting tank commander went. Um, I just really like that model. I have it. I, I painted one up for my Solar Ox. It was the first model I painted in my Solar Ox army. I really like it. It, uh, it comes in clutch for the Solar Ox because it ignores flare shields, which are a thing in 30k. So that D weapon uh, volcano cannon is not, not too shabby. And then my second World War choice was a Storm Hammer with armor ceramite and targeters uh that's the only upgrades i took for it i take the targeters because it has a load of multi-lasers you want those to hit on threes instead of uh... now those guys were playing wesley was playing salamanders he had a bunch of fire drakes and a spark a typhon and he was playing pride of the legion so he had a couple of whirlwind scorpius and his heavy sports slot and veterans who outflank like salamanders veterans with uh it was like flamers and multi-gun guys Typical salamander stuff. Um, 
Nick, my other buddy who plays Ultramarines, and Nick's probably one of the better painters I know. Paint, paint a really nice army, Ultramarines army. He had uh, some Suzerains and an Amphilus, some Vindicator Laser Destroyers that were as underwhelming as you might imagine. I know yep. we're pretty harsh they, on here. Did they, here. Did they, they did suck die. and die or, then, or <laughs> die then suck? Which order did it go in? Die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it died. But, uh, he had some veterans, some marksman veterans that did real good. His suzerains did really good. Uh, Ambulance drop five, you know, did what it does. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think what else he had, but I can't really remember. He had a lot of, a lot of points in that suzerain blob and the dread claw that came down, and uh, they fucking terrorized me all game. It, it ended up being a pretty close game. It came down to, I think I won 18 to 15. So I beat them by like three points. Their unit type they chose is the one to get extra victory points with super heavy. So they killed both, all three of my Malkador variants, the two Malkador, like Manila variants and the Infernus, and killed one of my uh, Baneblade variants, the Shadows. Now the Stormhammer survived the whole game, and I was able to pick off a lot of like their, I chose just regular tanks. I picked off a lot of the rhinos and shit like that and picked up other infantry points from the standard infantry. And was able to pull it out there at the end, but it was a super close game. And if it, my list had like four demolisher cannons, a D weapon cannon, storm hammer that has, you know, a cannon on it, the strength on a tube shred. I had everything you would ever need to kill fire drakes. And those motherfuckers took every single thing I threw at them. And just kept on asking. They don't give no fucks at all. They just yep. Talk. Yep. Involves pretty nasty. Yep. Kicking, kicking super heavies into the sun, not caring. So tough, man. And uh, they they terrorized me for five straight turns. Nick Nick's uh suzerains did a pretty good job of that too. They got my backfield turn one and were able to really tie up all my infantry units and. And score some kill points with Nick as well. Um, I'm going to put him on blast, actually. He's painting a Night Lord's army right now. And like I said, he's probably one of the better painters I've ever seen. He's he's doing Night Lords with the accent color instead of like a red, this deep midnight purple. And he freehands all of his lightning on, and it looks fucking beautiful. So I'm going to put him on blast. He needs to have that shit done by Adepticon. Because if he does, I bet he wins best painted there with it. But I'm I want I want plenty of scrutiny and pressure for him, and I want him to know that we're we're going to publicly shame him if he doesn't get it done. So there we go. Nick, hey, uh, get him get him to come up here and play with us at game night, Scott. That's right. I need to. I'll drag those hillbillies out there sometime, and uh, we'll throw. Do down. they still own fancy shit? Oh yeah, I'm sure they do. Yeah. Well, if they're interested in trying Kings of War, I don't. Do they play Age of Sigmar or do they do? do they no, quit playing? They're fucking no. They they okay. swore all that off. Okay. So. Well, we we won't get into all that. But if they still <laughs> have their old fantasy shit and they want to like play a game that's as close to old fantasy, you know, as far as like rank and file yeah. and all that, yeah. I like Kings of War and I got three painted armies myself. A bunch of really nicely painted ogre stuff. So I'll see if he wants. To well, that, like I said, that'll that'll directly convert over to Kings of War. He'd only yeah. need a twenty a twenty dollar book that comes with the rules and the army list, and he's ready to go. And that really, uh, 
really kick-ass time with those guys. Like I said, I've known them probably 18 years. So anytime, I'm really stoked they got into 30K because we kind of, you know, life happens. People have kids and stuff and move away. And I, I hadn't got to see those guys around a whole lot. But now that they're back in the hobby, 30K kind of bringing, bringing old friendships together. And uh, I've already made plans to travel with those dudes at least two more times now in the near future to – Dragon Wesley to Michigan DT and Defcon and I'm um, trying to obviously we're, I'm going to peer pressure Nick into a Defcon. He's fucking coming and he's going to have fully painted Night Lords army that's going to look fantastic. So that's is, my is Wesley, that's my is hobby Wesley progress. To show? Yeah, I think so. Dude, Wesley, I don't know, man. He's like kind of a redneck. I don't know, if, Lords, man. Or Nick, Nick's the one that paints the Night Lords. His name's oh. Nick Bradley. ISIS does not listen to this podcast. It'll be fine. They're not going <laughs> to fucking touch it down. So, yeah, dude, if we get, ISIS. I don't know. But <laughs> if we can get pictures of those Night Lords, man, I'm pretty sure everybody would like to see those. Like, it's yeah, like- I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking talk him into uh, sending me some pictures of what he's got. And he he doesn't have everything done, but he has a lot of it, and it's fucking gorgeous, man. That lightning looks like. You see, if you like, if you've seen a lot of 30k Night Lords armies, you've seen lightning effects, and you know what looks good and what doesn't. His is the absolute best example of what looks good, and the that purple he does, like how he blends it, it's it's really creative. I think it'll make it stand out a lot amongst the crowd, as it were. That's like the biggest like 30k cock tease you could throw out there, <laughs> like Scott, like. For real, it's like, it's like, man, it's his paint scheme. It's like the best thing I've ever seen in my life, man. I I started praying to it last night as like a like an entity, <laughs> like a god. But you know, you know, you can imagine looks what it looks good. like. <laughs> Nick's a grumpy old piece of shit, but he paints pretty good, so we'll give him credit on that. He's not like the. We have another Night Lords Nick in Indiana who plays Night Lords, and his name Nick, but. Instead of being like skinny and twerpy like the one in Indiana, this one's like old and grumpy and angry looking all the time. So, <laughs> well, I need to get him up here. So, because Nick, Nick that already plays up here, Scott knows this. He's like everybody's like little brother that kind of tags yep. along that you're really fucking mean to. Like deep down, you love him. You yes. like don't ever show him that, and you're just like mean no. to him all the fucking time. Um. So we need to get the other Nick up here so we can like be like last man on earth where we have to like rename Nick, like make Nick go by his middle name, like That's call him right. Tandy or whatever, because so, he's not Nick anymore. <laughs> That's what we got to do, man. <laughs> got to make it happen. But that's me, so guys. Your name's Harold. You're Harold now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as badass, yeah, man. I would love to see some pictures of that. These uh, magical night lords you're talking about right now that have been blessed by the paint gods themselves. So definitely talk them into doing that. I'm pretty sure everybody listening right now is as frustrated as I am hearing you talk about these night lords and like not being able to visually appreciate them with my eyes like you, you've discussed. They're fucking dope, man. They they look pretty pretty damn good. He uh he played fantasy. Those two were big into fantasy and went to. HTC and stuff, and you know, rightfully so, they got pretty pissed off at Games Workshop after Fantasy got smashed. But they kind of they found what I think to be the spiritual successor to Fantasy back in those days is 30k, and they're getting back in the hobby, man. And we have a community that's very reminiscent of that, where we all support each other, and you know, we 
we go for quality and whatever we do. So uh, they seem to be enjoying it so far, man. Badass, dude. I fucking love it. I dig it. So that was your hobby progress. That sounds badass. Derek, that's me. I sent Ryan a. I sent Ryan my 3,000-point list for him to tear apart later in the show So, for, for his event, September 23rd. All right, dig it. I'm guessing you are out. You're out of 5,000. Yeah, man, I got to go. I'll stop interrupting you guys. Thank you. See you. Later, Scott. Later, bud. See you, later. man. Talk to you this week. Yep. All right, so there goes Mr. Scott. So, Derek, man, you had some hobby progress you wanted to discuss. Yeah, so... uh uh, last uh, two weeks ago, I was talking about all the uh, components to my own spray booth, you know, cardboard box, box fan, everything like that. So I finally got that set up and it looks like it's working like a charm. I've been uh, kind of just black bombing stuff with my airbrush and just kind of putting it through its limits, trying to see if I can get any paint to come out the other side of it. And now the air filters have been uh, picking everything up. So looks like I'm all good to go with the airbrush setup. So like, so what you just like set up a box on your window or like, how did that work out? It's literally a box with a box fan taped to the end blowing away from where I'm at. And then I've got two like 3M commercial air filters that I stuck in there. And I don't even think I need two, but I, I put two in there just in case. And I'm about to pull it out and see if there's anything on the second one. Cause if not, I'll just need to use the one. And, uh, but yeah, that's been picking up everything out of the air. I haven't even need to aim it out the window necessarily. Uh, but if I do use any like aerosols, I think I might just open up window just to be safe. But yeah, so it looks like I'm ready to start, uh, learning how to airbrush. And so what have you been working on? You just been, uh, just priming your space wolves or what? Yeah, just, uh, well, I had a couple nights that I picked up specifically to practice airbrushing on just cause it's a larger model. Uh, I still have some drop pods I need to paint and I think I'll start working towards like actual just individual models and getting to where I can do that. Dig it. That's cool. So it sounds like the exact setup that everybody else pays for like a hundred bucks for on eBay, just uh, larger and cheaper. Like, well, it doesn't have a light setup in it and it's very much as larger. It takes up a whole lot of space. But like I said, it's a cardboard box and a box fan. So as long as the fan has something to sit on, the rest can hang off the table and it doesn't matter. You should post pictures of that on the Facebook Will on do. the Facebook page so other people can see how they can set up an airbrush booth in their bedroom. Is it in your bedroom? Uh, it's in my, like, uh, where I got all my work stuff. So it's like a spare bedroom kind of office thing. Oh, it's in your office. Yeah. So people can set up in their offices to just airbrush stuff in their offices. Yeah, so they save, can you, uh, save you like 80 bucks on your spray booth. That's more money towards like Shapeways. Uh, Shapeways, shoulder pads, or anything else you need. Mm, yeah. Good plug. Well, I actually picked up a whole bunch of those with the money I saved. <laughs> so uh, they're on their way. Baller. So I guess that's it for hobby progress, huh? We get to some, some voicemails, man. We got two weeks of voicemails we got to go over, including a Sir Coxman, uh, Sir Coxman industrial accident story. The last one. He actually recorded it in his... Uh, in his time off there. So I guess we can get those set up for you, few fellas. I'm trying to see here. Cause like the last time we recorded was on what the ninth, right? Cause we missed this last week. And so well, we didn't miss it. We didn't miss it. It's just, 
in like it's in I don't know how you would explain it. It's not out of the oven yet. Two, yeah. three. But but we did record. Yes, we did record. So there's nine nine voicemail slash stories we gotta go over. So for starters, before we get into this, before you fellas start uh preparing yourself before you get your uh, your tea and your 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 cookies or whatever you do to listen to these voicemails. I'm going to go ahead and go over some of these emails that I got across that are just like generic like voicemail questions. Uh, so the first one, the first email that we got in comes from Branson. Branson says, looking for a 30K opponent. Hi, I'm looking for an opponent in my area, Newsport ha- News, Hampton, News, Newport News slash Hampton in Virginia to play Horace Heresy. A friend of mine told me to contact one of you guys and to start listening to your podcast. I don't know how this works, but if you could help with that, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, Branson. Uh, for starters, Branson, you're like super in luck because there's a bunch of dudes that we know, like right in our Patreon chat actually, that are in based in Virginia. So the horse heresy is popping in Virginia right now. And you have the... Uh, the graying legion like right next to you anyway you got nova coming up so there's a whole bunch of stuff like 30k going on around you uh, well you should 100 percent go to nova because it's your hometown event and you'll meet a book a bunch of guys there you know and um that that'll be a really good way to make contacts by meeting people there that are in your area as well for sure man but uh we'll get you in contact with uh with some of the guys that we know we'll go ahead i'm not sure if there's a virginia uh, Facebook group set up. I feel like there should be like some like East Coast Horse Heresy Facebook group set up, but uh, I haven't seen one. But we can definitely put point point some people in the right direction. I know we got Chris out there and Alistair and all them. There's a whole bunch of dudes out in the East Coast that are. Well, just... what's the one? Is it Car? There's one in Carolina. Sam. Sam's Carolina, isn't he? Yeah, uh, Sam and uh, Mark Henry and those guys. They ha- there's a Carolina Heresy page that they're all part of oh yeah so i mean yeah i know there's a carolina heresy page so that will that would work out as well to find some people nearby you that are willing to play but i know sam's been looking for people for a good while for to play with like he's he's itching for some horse heresy players and i know he's in the carolina so we'll have to we'll we'll get you into contact with some people if you want you join our, our patreon and uh you'll be in a chat with a whole bunch of people in your area but you don't have to. We'll just get them in contact with you. So, anyway, we'll get that taken care of. And then, of course, if you're out there uh, and you want to get in contact with Branson, uh, I don't want to give you his email because that would be kind of weird, but he did contact out to us. Without, he said he doesn't know how it works. So if you get in contact with us, just send us a message on our Facebook and we'll get you in contact with Branson. So Or, my, or, email, or email Michael. Michael so at Warhammer30k.com. Email heresy email bag here comes from sid sid sent an email that says it's titled industrial accidents and he says on the subject of industrial accidents i thought i'd share a non-lethal one i was working for crossman air rifles at the time the guys on the loading dock were no cock-ups and this particular time their cock-up of choice was forklift racing where i guess it's supposed to be known cock-ups After several heats, one guy decided to show off his mad skills and started doing donuts and trying to drift the forklift. Oh, fuck. I've seen enough Chinese forklift accidents to know this isn't going to end well. Uh, In his fucking around, he lost control 
nearly running two people down, only cuts and bruises, thankfully, and ends up putting the tines straight through the outer wall right between the two bays. <laughs> he was fucked. Like, that's... You can't hide that shit. Management was already looking to adding a new bay due to increased production, so he ended up choosing where that bay went. <laughs> Man, dude, I'm kind of interested in whether or not that dude got fired or not. Like, I feel like he's no longer with that company because... Like, I don't, I don't think you just get away with that. Like, just... Yeah. Just, uh, so, appreciate that story, Sid. That's a... Uh, man. Drifting forklifts is a bad fucking idea. I've seen that one YouTube video where that forklift just smushes that lady every time. Oh, God. But, anyway. We'll go ahead and uh, move on to a voicemail now. you while I'm driving. So here's a, another story for you. So we were in uh, Afghanistan flying around. We had uh, 11 troops in the back and they were all going to raid some village or something. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. We were dropping them off in some little sand desert bullshit place and they were going to go fuck around with some locals and I didn't give a shit because we weren't staying, sticking around. So, um, but we're on our way there and we got this guy, this private, they, they, them in the hurricane seat. Now, I've told you about the hurricane seat before. It's the back right seat in the helicopter that gets all the wind and shit. And uh, it was it was like mid fall to late fall, so it's it's not real super hot. Okay. Hold the phone. could just leave you with blue balls right here and not tell you the rest of the story. But I can't help myself, so here we go. So the guy, he wakes up, undoes his seatbelt, and immediately just steps right out into thin-ass air. Nothing there. 40 to 35 feet just straight down. He's wearing probably 80 to 100 pounds of extra gear. He smashes into the desert floor. Luckily, it's not too hard. It was a little bit soft. So he survived. Uh, so we landed immediately. We're like, okay, we gotta go fucking get this fucking idiot. But he tried to play it off as a tough guy. And uh, when he's doing that, he's, he's like playing it off as a tough guy and saying, no, I don't need to go back. And uh, so he continued to do the whole like two, three hour raid patrol thing. We came back and got him. They made him limp around that fucking village with two shattered ankles, oh. a broken tailbone, and his spine was all fucked up. He ended up going back to Germany. I don't. He probably got discharged. I don't know anything past that. Uh, but that fucking idiot. And the best part about it was when he went, the guy sitting right next to him wasn't paying any attention, undid his seatbelt, and about followed him out too. But luckily, the guy sitting next to the door watched the first guy jump out and saw the second guy about to go and dropped him back into the floor of the helicopter and didn't let him fall, jump out. Uh, yeah, so that's just a fun little story of watching a guy fall 35 feet into the <laughs> desert. <laughs> so, yeah, so I feel like we missed some missed part of the, the story there. Like, I don't... Yeah. They kind of cut off Sam as they, as they do. But, uh... 
<laughs> I mean, we got the general gist of the story. Like, it sounds like he was riding in the back, and, and something happened to make him think that it was time to get out of the helicopter and that it was low enough to jump out, and he didn't look before he, you know, leapt. So yeah, the look yeah. before you leap thing. Like, like fell asleep a little bit or something? or Yeah, something had to yeah. happen. Oh, God. I guess the <laughs> being in the hurricane seat lulls you to like sleep or something, and he didn't want to be embarrassed and show that he was asleep, so he just fucking booked it out. Fantastic. How I'm interested to see how you play off just jumping out of a helicopter 35 feet in the air. You dust yourself off, and you fucking go raid that village, <laughs> and bro. Limp around with two shattered ankles. <laughs> I feel like people would notice. All right. So here's the next one. Hi, guys. I'm calling in. I'm new to the horse heresy. Picked my legion, Death Guard. I'm trying to construct a uh, force based on what you guys uh, think would be feasible. 2,000, 2,500 points to start. I have uh, Dreadnought, four uh, squads of Marines. Uh, 10 Terminators, Death Shroud, and 10 Grave Wardens. How would I divide that up in a 2,500-point list to be feasible with a good art of war? It doesn't have to be the Reaping, but I'm looking for people that have played Death Guard and actually know how to uh, put together a list. Thanks, guys. So, four tactical squads. I wrote it. I wrote it down. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's got a dread, four power armored squads, uh, ten terminators. Then he said death route after it. So I don't know if he has ten terminators and death route, or right. just ten terminators that are death route. But either right. way, and then he's got then he's got grave wardens. Uh, so that's a, I mean that's a solid start. The cool thing about all that is all that's going to score except the dreadnought. Right. So. He'll need some type of a uh, character. Obviously, you'll need, you know, a pray. If he wants to run a ride of war, he'll need a praetor or delegatus. So he'll have to convert one of those power armor guys up or go buy a single model to make that happen. Um, if he wants to do Pride of the Legion, we did a Pride of the Legion list on the show that didn't um, come out yet last week. Yep. The the uh, point five show. Um, so I. Uh, so there's that Pride of the Legion list on there, uh, which would so basically what you would do is you would take Pride of the Legion, um, then it would make your Death Shroud troops, and then your power armored squads you would just take as veteran squads, which become troops as well, and then you take your Grave Wardens as heavy, and then I think the list that we did last week, we put the uh, Grave Wardens are just on foot because they can they're one of the more shooty Terminators, so they're pretty good at starting on your deployment line and just slowly walking forward while laying down all those grenade shots and then um, preventing people from deep striking in your backfield or whatever is like a quick response unit. And then for claiming objectives midfield or closer to your deployment while shooting down those, you know, those grenades. Um, they also work good as a forward, a unit to push forward. Um, so they're, they're really good in all roles. It's just, they're one of those units that their shooting is so good that they don't necessarily have to be in close combat like most other Terminator units do. So you can you don't have to buy them a transport. They're one of the few units you can get away without one. Um, the Death Shrouds you'll definitely want... If you only got five, you can just get a normal Land Raider for them. If you got more than five, you'll want to get a Spartan for them or a uh, 
Charybdis, uh, one or the other, de- depending on which way you want to go with it. Um, and then the power armored guys, you'll want to get some rhinos for. So you, the thing you're going to want to do with this army is, like I said, either go Charyb- probably get a Charybdis Spartan or Land Raider, depending on how many death shrouds you have and how you want to run them there. And then you'll want some rhinos for your power armored guys. If you're wanting to go reaping, um, you'll need to make uh, 20 of those power armored guys just tacticals with bolters. And then you'll probably want to make another 10 of them heavy support guys. Um, I like missile launchers with them, but they don't have to be that. But, you know, make 10 of them heavy support guys. Um, and then the other squads you can... I would probably build out with combi weapons to make them like a veteran squad or something like that. So as far as loading your guys out, if you haven't built them yet, I would build two squads as just bolter dudes. Then I'd build one squad with combi weapons, probably Meltas, just because I think they're the most versatile as far as how you want to run them. You can run them at that point as Seekers or Veterans or Machine Killers or Sniper, whatever. And then the the other ten guys build as heavy support Marines with missiles uh, so that you have a good option for when you do want to run the Reaping. Um, and then get some transports for that stuff. But we've done... If you're new to the Heresy... If you go back and you look at our podcast, um, in the titles of the podcast on uh, where Michael lists them, it'll he'll will put little initials for the list that we did on that show. Death Guard is DG, so just go back and listen to the episodes that uh, had Death Guard lists in them. And you don't have to listen to the whole episode. Uh, you can just we always do the list near the end of the episode, so just kind of start near the end where we're doing like the wrap up and event shout outs and just work your way back until you find the death guard list and listen to it. Um, and you can go through, if you did it, if you did it that way, you could probably go through all the death guard lists we've done in the past year and a couple hours. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've done a bunch, a lot. I think most of them were reaping. There was some zone mortalis death guard list. Uh, but there's definitely a couple pride of the Legion death guard lists that are on there as well. And that's just right. And and the reason I, you good. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. We got a little bit of a delay. So we step on each other's dicks every once in a while. I'm not doing that on purpose. Anyway, uh, uh, the, the reason I said do 20 bolter guys, because you can use those guys as either sniper vets or you can use them as normal tacticals. So when I say build 20 bolter guys, I'm not necessarily telling you to lock them in one way or the other. Um, I would actually build them out. I don't know if they're the calf guys or, uh, Prospero guys or whatever, but I'm assuming they are. If they're those particular Marines, they come with bolt, pistol, bolt, or close combat weapon on all the guys. So I'd glue all that shit on them, and then you can either run them as normal tacticals with extra hand weapon or sniper vets, and you're, you're going to get traction out of either way. So I would build 20 of the guys like that, like I said, and then do, the, uh, do another squad exactly like that, but do combi weapons instead of the normal bolter, and then do the missile launcher squad. So with those loadouts, you'll be able to run the reaping and run the two squads as tacticals to fulfill your two compulsory there. Or if you want to run Pride of the Legion, you can use them as sniper vets and also use them to fill that way. So if you load them out that way, you can run multiple rights of war with that loadout once you figure out what direction you want to go in. For sure. Solid advice, dude. Solid advice. I hope you got what you needed, man. And, uh, as well, hit us up on Facebook. If once you start putting a list together or anything like that, like, uh, hit us up on Facebook and, and we can definitely help you, uh, go in the right direction on that one. So, yeah. And your people are always uh, welcome to reach out to me on messenger. There's several people, um, that just find me on messenger. It's Ryan Kimmel 
on Facebook Messenger, and I'm out of Martinsville, Indiana. You can find me on there and hit me up, and I'll answer your questions. I can't tell you how many people I've worked through lists that way. They'll hit me up while I'm at work, and it, that way the conversation can stay fluid. It's not like I send you an email, and then two days later I get a response, and then two days later you get a response from me. And but like you can just say, well, this is what I got, and then I can, you know, write you up a list and send it back, and then we can kind of like work through things like well you know right then on the spot so you guys are always more than welcome to do that yeah just uh, make sure you you open up the conversation with a picture of your cock just make sure you send that first things first so ryan knows what he's dealing well with. i forward him to my wife it's a little reward <laughs> it's, it's a little reward that she gets for letting me do this podcast so <laughs> cocks around the world like it's <laughs> the so you know it's i variety. mail i I, I mail out cultural exchange packs and get cock pictures in return that I then share with my uh, loved ones. So <laughs> We have a little Christmas tree. Just share the love. <laughs> that they hang out. <laughs> yeah. Great follow-up to that. All right. I like to picture like a globe with like Polaroid pictures tacked to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's one of those like uh, – the little tree things that you pull open the little box, but instead of chocolate behind there, it's just a picture of a different cock every, every uh, day leading up to Christmas. <laughs> oh goodness. There it is. All right. Here's the next voicemail. What's up guys? This is Dave Black Label Painting. So I've been giving it a lot of thought. You know, you guys have been asking about what people would come out, you know, their theme song coming out, the big tournament or whatever. I think I, I think I figured out what I would come out to do. If you can catch it. But I would come out to Lowrider by War. Because <laughs> it's laid back. I'm laid back. That's my style of play. And I think it would be fucking awesome. Anyway, guys. Catch you later. Love what you do. Peace out. Just, just for those of y'all. Oh, he... Hold on. We'll, uh, he tried to play it, but it looks like uh, it didn't go through. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure maybe our international listeners don't know about War, a low rider, but uh, I think it's a pretty well-known song. We'll get you. Man, I could totally see Samson like walking out in like a white suit and like like dressed like a like a uh, like a Cuban drug lord, like like a little shuffle in his step. Yeah, a little shuffle, like he's just shuffling. Yeah, I dig it. That's exactly good job, David. Like I could definitely he see. Does like the side shuffle for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> with like I feel little... it. I feel it. I dig it. I really, I like that. I like that. All right. So next up, let me go ahead and see here. Transcript not available. Hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, this is David with Invested Painting. Just want to call in, uh, since you guys have been sharing all those uh, messed up stories about working conditions and things <laughs> yes. that have happened, I figured I'd share probably the, the thing that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life that I've experienced with my job so far. Love it. Uh, oh I'm an insurance God. adjuster, so I do a lot of traveling around northwestern Kansas and, you know, the surrounding states. We uh, 
deal primarily with structures, uh, you know, commercial, uh, residential farms. But what I'm calling about, sir, was a claim I got. Guy said, uh, older gentleman said he had uh, a leak in his garage. And when I went out there to take a look at everything, he wasn't around. He and his wife were gone. So I check everything out. And when I get done with the house and go back to the garage to take a look at it, set the ladder up, get up on the roof, and on the north side of this garage, there's a little bit of a hole there, uh, just up along, uh, you know, right along the edge where the north wall would be. And you can see this hole, it's maybe, you know, baseball size, but it's a rolled roof, and I don't know if you guys know much about uh, roofing surfaces. Uh, it means it's pretty much, they only put that on a mostly flat roof. So right next to that hole on either side of the struts there, it's actually starting to sag in quite a bit. So, you know, I figured there was some kind of inter interior damage, but nobody mentioned anything, so I figured I'd go ahead and take a look. Well, I checked the other half of the garage because there was an addition built on. You know, door's not locked. Everything's fine. Uh, open the next, you know, open the north side, walk in there, and it, it couldn't find the light switch. It's really dark. It's pretty much the hottest day of the summer you know, 100 and some degrees outside, and inside this garage is probably easily 120-something. I mean, it, it was just bacon. It was crazy. But, you know, it just, and, and you know how it is when you go outside in a, in a locked bill or in a building where you don't get a lot of circulation and it's hot and muggy. It just feels real musky. Well, I finally find a light switch, and I turn it on, and I swear to God, I thought I was in an Aliens movie because... There was mold caked along the wall so thick it looked like eight inch wide crown molding. And I don't just mean like mold, you know, the nasty black or green shit that's grown on the walls. I mean this this was caked out in layers. This is the kind of thing that you would expect them to use in like a Star Wars movie or some shit. It was positively disgusting. Um and I was really caught off guard by it. But the thing that really kind of threw me off the most was you're not supposed to breathe in, you know, mold support. Oh, shit. Oh, God. Hold on. He got cut off in the voicemail. Did, did he make it? <laughs> did he live? Oh, God. One of these days I'm going to figure out how to tell a story in a short way. <laughs> but they're... Short version. Uh, they've got a garage door on one side, but it's one of those old school thick fiberglass ones where it lets a little bit of light through, but not enough that you can really see. But just enough that if you get in the right angle from that door, you could probably see uh, you know little particulates in the air. And that was the part that just about made me gag. Uh, it looked like there were fucking organisms floating around in the in the air next to me man it was it was bad so i took a couple pictures and got outside as quick as i could tried not to breathe at all but uh as soon as i i closed the door i slammed it a little bit just because i was like i was pretty upset about this whole thing but uh <laughs> when i slammed the door i heard some of that stuff fall off and it made this most disgusting sickening plop <laughs> uh, for for years, I thought it was secretly budding, 
and just trying to, you know, create some sort of new alien life form. But man, it was it was bad. Uh, if I'll see if I still have some of those pictures and send you guys. See <laughs> if it's just me or if you guys are uh, in agreement with me. But that's about it. Keep up the good work. Holy shit! Just knowing that, like, you breathe that shit, like, just knowing that that's in your lung, just like replicating in there, like. Once you get mold in your lung, that's it, bro. That's it. That's done. You're a carrier at that point. You're a carrier. You're a host to grow orcs inside uh, of your shit. Did it? Did I ever tell the story on here about the all the ice freezing in the the one building out in the coal yard and that like the whole interior of the building was one block of ice? Did I ever tell that story? No, that sounds like a great story. It, that just reminded me of that like stuff clinging to the walls. So. We we were so the way I worked in the coal yard. The way it works, you got a a feeder. So imagine like everybody's played with a paintball gun at some point or another, right? You have the hopper on top, and as you yeah. fire, just gravity feeds and they fall down in there. So imagine like a big like funnel, like you would put oil in your car, but it's below ground, and you got train tracks that run over the top of it. So what happens is you pull a tra- train car up over it, and you open the car, and the coal falls out, and it funnels down. So it's like real wide at the top and it funnels down to a small opening where only so much can fall through fall through. And underneath there you have a belt that's carrying it away. So as the belt carries it away, more can fall through the hole. And that's how it runs. Well, that belt takes it up to a coal crusher and it and it crushes it from like, you know, round pieces that you you know, you would think of like coal looking like into like oh like very fine pea gravel, like finer than pea gravel size. And then it drops it down on another belt, and then it goes up to uh, the plant, and we drop it in these other big hoppers. Well, anyway, the crusher house, because the belt runs up, and it's like four stories high because it's got to run up to fall into the crusher and then fall all the way down through the crusher to the bottom floor to get taken back up again. So one day we're running coal, and it's like super fucking cold outside. It's, you know, Indiana and like the heart of winter. And the belt stops and we can't get it restarted. And we're like, what the hell's going on? So they go go over and check that building and see what's going on. So the heat in this part of the, the, the heat out there is all done by steam. So we have these giant radiators. Like you've seen them in movies, like the little radiator that sits in somebody's living room, like in an old New York apartment or whatever. And it's like steam heat that goes to the radiator. So we have these, but they're like, I don't know, like five foot by five foot squares. And they hang on the wall and they got a big steam line that comes into them. And then they got a big motorized fan behind them that blows air from the backside. So as it accumulates heat, it's blowing heat into the building. So anyway, I go out there and I, I open the door to go into the crusher house and it's stuck. I can't get it open. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? So I get a crowbar and pry this door open. The reason it wouldn't open is because the doorknob on the other side was frozen into a block of ice. So when I got the door open, if you looked at the, imagine this. So the door frame, you got the, like the door where you would step up into the room because there's like a little bit of a door frame. There's ice that is frozen four foot up on the oh, door. Geez. So like the entire room had filled with basically water and froze. So there's ice chest high. Like, so it's like four foot deep on the floor, this concrete floor. So I have to get a step ladder and crawl through about the top like two foot of the door to get into the room and i get in there and the stairs that are going up they're those like metal industrial stairs 
it's literally just a block of ice that's four stories tall. Like I'm looking, you can't even go up the stairs. The stairs are encased in ice. It looks like some type of sculpture because you can see the yellow of the handrail because the ice is so clear. So it's like this, like just like staircase frozen ice, and it's the ice is built up about two foot thick on the walls all the way around this building. So what had happened is that that uh, radiator had sprung a leak, and you know steam is just water. It's just water whatever oh, is it? it was so okay. cold outside that that well yeah <laughs> anyway so that that something had happened where this it didn't it wasn't getting heat to it so that water it was basically just blowing water in that line and then that water froze which busted the pipe but it's just hot enough where the water isn't freezing in the line it's freezing once it comes out and hits the floor so it was basically like spraying water into this fan, this giant industrial fan that's then slinging it all over the room. And then the room is just made of concrete and steel that's sitting out in the wintertime. And because it was the sole source of heat, it was freezing. So then it would just build up in layers. So it was just like freezing. So that's why it didn't, it didn't like fill the room. Because you were thinking, well, how could it fill four foot up in the room and just not roll out the door because it would be water? Well, the reason it's not is because it was just like coating the floor and then freezing. And then it would coat the ice on top and then freeze and then coat again and freeze. So it's just slowly building up over the course of a week. And we hadn't been out there. And when I go out there, this whole thing. So the problem was this building's three stories tall and it's all accumulated on one side of the building. So it started creaking and shit. Like when I went out there, I heard it groaning oh, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It's because all the ice, because it's just like a, it's almost built like a pole barn. You know what I mean? It's just like aluminum siding on like metal I-beams going up. Yeah, it had froze so much on one side, and it was weighing so much. It's like pulling the building one direction, so the whole building could have just fallen over just from the weight of all the ice on the one side of the fucking building. <laughs> it was a giant mess. So they had to bring in like five or six giant industrial like salamanders that run on diesel fuel, and like load them up all in there and like point them to get that thing heated up to melt all the ice off. It was a fucking just absolute disaster it took like two weeks to thaw the building out that's fucking crazy dude like all i imagine like first off i imagine you belly sliding like a penguin like on this ice like that's only yeah like with a flashlight just like <laughs> it's just perfectly belly sliding around like like investigating everything frozen like i imagine like some poor like nick in there just like ah, like just frozen solid like, like flash frozen that's fucking crazy. And like even cooler, there's a thing called a salamander that I've never heard of that melts. Stuff. You never heard of a salamander? No, like we have we don't oh, have ice uh, down get, here. I guess you're in fucking Texas. Yeah, why would you have that? <laughs> we have uh this thing called air down here that melts everything yeah. so Google Google uh Google salamander and hit images and it just it looks like a uh a it's lizard? like it's almost like a minute No, it looks like a miniature turbine. It's like a cylinder that's sitting on top of a fuel tank. That usually has handles and wheels, well, and it's like got a. Bl- this is this is the Google image search that I get like when I type salamander. Oh Which well, cool type in uh, type in uh, heating salamander, and then type in like thirty thousand BTUs or fifty thousand BTU or whatever, and it'll come oh, up. I you don't even have to do the BTU. Yeah, it looks like a spotlight only. Yeah, little heat. little turbines. Yep. Fair enough. 
So there's a blower motor in the back, and then there's a fuel source. So it basically heats that, like, you'll have diesel fuel, and it'll heat it. Like, you know, obviously it lights on fire, and it heats the metal like a kerosene heater or whatever, and then it has a big blower motor behind it that blows it out so that you can heat a large area with it, and it's portable. Dig it. Very cool. Cool story. And the We're whole gonna... fucking, like... Good? Yeah. I was just say we're gonna have to get you up here in the fucking winter time and make you at least suffer with the like through a week of it going out and fucking chiseling your car you know all the ice off of it and kicking the snow off of it and driving around in a foot of snow and slip sliding everywhere and your fucking shoes always being wet from walking through snow and shit you need to like suffer through at least a week of that no fuck that i'm, I'm glad <laughs> that happens. fuck that all well, right. it's winter let's just turn the uh Turn the AC down to medium. <laughs> yeah, for real. So this comes from Dan Porter. So this is where I'm Dan Porter's edge. So he's got this uh, industrial story, but then he has a question for us after the industrial story. So let it's me like go a, ahead and play his story first. Like a quiz? It's a question. Hi, chaps. It's Dan Porter again. Um, so I thought I'd call in and read you my last industrial accident story um this one's called dodge this so at the time i worked in west africa in order to get anything done you had to be prepared to deal with a, an endemic culture of bribery literally everything depended on it from the smallest interaction to the largest so when you went shopping you pay, had to pay local youths to inverted commas look after your car and when you brought a ship into port, you had to pay the pilot to remember where the sandbars were. The only upside to this was that bribery was very, relatively cheap. Surprisingly, perhaps, money was the least valuable currency for the majority of low-level bribes in Africa. Inflation meant its mirth shifted too rapidly. So, you know, the bribe you gave somebody in the morning might not be worth anything by the afternoon. What most people wanted was consumables, primarily cigarettes and booze. Uh, all ships, in my experience, would carry suitcases full of cheap whiskey and smokes purely for the purposes of greasing the wheels of commerce in Africa. On occasion, though, it would be necessary to deal with people with more refined tastes, and so it's quite common to deal with other ships' crews to obtain items for bribes that they might have in abundance, but which you had none of on your ship. Such is the, this, such is the situation at the beginning of my story. I'm in Lagos, and the ship I'm on is due to pick up a load of ore. Uh, there's been a delay, though, because the boss man who in charge of the loading teams was having an extended staff meeting to discuss how much vodka would be required in order to load the ore before we had our uh, window to leave port closed. You only had a certain amount of time to leave port in order to load and get out, and if you, if you missed it, you could be delayed for days. The thing is that we didn't have any vodka on board the ship, though. Fortunately, the ship berthed alongside us was Russian-flagged, leading us to make the not uh, un unsubstantiated assumption that they might have some vodka to trade with us. I was dispatched to conduct negotiations, given that no one on board spoke Russian, no one on their ship spoke any English, but I and one of, one of their sailors spoke enough French in order to do the deal. <laughs> we concluded the trade swiftly enough, but my new Russian friend, Oleg, or such was his name, decided I needed a tour of his glorious Russian vessel while sharing a bottle of his finest vodka. Personally, I think it was aviation fuel, but I was too polite to say. 
To be frank, when you've been on board one Conroe ship, you've been on board them all. I think I'm right in saying that most of them are built somewhere in the Far East in a single shipyard. In any case, the tour wasn't very interesting. However, the constant input of vodka, with us each taking alternate swigs out of his bottle, was taking the edge off the tedium. One thing that was apparently, though, though, was the worryingly poor state of the ship. Before I went to sea, I had to complete loads of training on shipboard maintenance, and I must have watched hours of film with various hoary old sailors showing you the right and the wrong way to do things. The tour of the Russian ship was like someone had made a worst-case scenario example of how a ship should be run for one of these films. Only now, they were sailing it along the Atlantic coast of Africa. We finished the tour at the bow, where Oleg uh, ceremoniously smashed the now empty vodka bottle on the deck with a big grin on his face. It was at this point when things quickly went south, presaged by the sound of a large cable snapping. One of the biggest causes of injury and death on ships is people getting caught in the snapback zone of a rope or wire breaking under tension. So, in essence, the snapback zone is the area potentially covered by flying rope that has snapped, and it is a zone of death, literally zone mortalis in the literal Latin translation of the term. <laughs> For cables where they are in a straight line between the restraining point and the break, the snapback zone is quite small, as it often snaps straight back, so you have to literally be stood right behind the rope in order to get hit. Where the cable is bent around a roller, for instance, the flailing cable can swing in a wide arc, making the snapback zone very large. The sound of the snapping cable triggered a realisation in my monkey brain that Oleg and I are poten were potentially stood in the snapback zone of a cable that had just snapped. Without consciously thinking anything, I leant backwards and I let myself fall flat to the deck. I want you to try and imagine Neo when he's dodging the bullets on top of the roof in uh, The Matrix. That's what it was like. As I dropped to the floor, I can still see in my mind's eye the, the kind of the cable snapping towards us in slow motion. I even heard and felt the whine of the cable passing over my head as I dropped to the floor and hit the deck. I slammed into the deck and the back cracked the back of my head. Uh, I also managed to get some broken glass stuck in my shoulder and in the small of my back from where Oleg had broken his vodka bottle. For all that, though, I was alive, and a wave of pure joy went through me. I was lying on the deck, face up, cheering and pumping my fists. New sums on V, Oleg! Or, we're alive, Oleg, we're alive! For all my shouting, though, the only thing I can hear from Oleg is... <laughs> or at least, a rough approximation of that, anyway. I turn my head and look at Oleg, and there's something very wrong with his face. I can't process it at first, as it appears he's simultaneously looking at me and looking away from me. Then all of a sudden, the image resolves as my brain clicks into what I'm seeing, and I realise Oleg has been clipped in the face by the tip of the broken cable. It's hit the right side of his head, and it's partially removed his lower jaw. His jaw is still attached to the left side of his head, but it's completely removed from his right. His right cheek is completely gone, and his tongue is lolling out of the right side of his face without a cheek to restrain it. In, a, in something that still baffles me to this day, he's still fully conscious, and although he's giving me the thumbs up to indicate that he's okay, <laughs> I freely admit I might have screamed like a cheerleader at this point. Two of Oleg's crewmates turn up with a stretcher, and they carry him off, and he's still giving me the thumbs up as he vanishes in, down uh, to the medical bay. <laughs> I'm quickly ushered off the ship and return to my own vessel, 
where my crewmates inquire as to why my left side of my body is sprayed with blood. There was even a tooth fragment in her hair, which the ship's medic found whilst he was pulling glass out of my shoulder. Over the next few days, I regaled the crew with the tale over many beers and found that the horror of it lessened with each retelling. I never saw that Russian ship again, and I have no idea what happened to Oleg. I like to think that somewhere, though, on the world's oceans, there is an inebriated Russian with a prosthetic jaw writing into a 30, Russian 30K podcast about the time he lost his jaw drinking vodka with Sir Coxman, PhD. Probably not, though. I'll tell you one thing for certain. <laughs> I've never really liked vodka since then and haven't really touched it. Anyway, there's my story. All that's left for you to decide is whether it's true or false. Keep up the good work, fellas. I'll speak to you soon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the best stories from well, Sir Coxman, the... PhD. The other, so the other two were true. So the like, if he if he's wanting us to guess whether they're true or false, and he sent in three, you would say that you would have to almost say that this one was false, unless he's trying to be clever, and just make them all true, so that you're having to guess false on all of them. So, what do you guys think? I know the answer. I want to believe. I'm gonna say true. What do you think, Ryan? I'll go false just because the other ones were true. Surprise, it's true as shit. All three of them are true stories. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> and I like to think somewhere out there. I, I like how Dan like, immediately knows the way we think. Like I like to think somewhere out there there's an all like, listening to this 30K podcast right now <laughs> with, a, with a, like, a orc-made iron jaw, like a gob. <laughs> Just... Just laughing with his gob right now, <laughs> with his fucking half his face missing. Just kidding, Oleg. You're beautiful. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You're a beautiful man. I'm gonna make an Oleg character now. <laughs> wow, what a great story. That was a roller coaster <laughs> for real. Like I, I kind of saw it coming, but I'm very happy with it. So secondly, he's got a question. He duck. Nope, he didn't dodge it. So I'm guessing it was all the vodka is why he was kind of just thumbs up the whole time. Like, I'm all right. It's just half my face. I got the other half. I mean, I also like to think maybe something like worse has happened to him <laughs> that he's like drunk his way through. He's like, hey, it's all right. I'll be all right. I'm going to sound different for a while, but I'll be okay. <laughs> it's not as bad as that one thing, which I can't talk about right now. But anyway, so he has a second question for us. He says, also, I have a question. Which Horus Heresy Legion is your spirit legion? I don't mean your favorite, but the one where you personally and idiosyncrasies would find their true home. Everyone picks their own, but then the rest of you comment on how accurate that is, maybe making an alternate alternative suggestion. Let the debate commence. So, ooh, where does your legions lie? I would say, like, honestly, like, if I were to throw myself into a legion and have to pick the lead, like, I always think about it in the way of, like, the way I play, like, an MMO. Like, I'm never the tank, like, the way my mindset is. So, like, if I had to, like, pick a legion that would be, like, my kind of mindset, I feel like I'd be, like, a Raven Guard. Like, I always think of like the different uh, 
I like whenever I picture battle, I picture like the exact opposite of like running forward and like attacking people. I always think of like, you know, spec op shit and like sniping people and like getting hell and stuff like that. So I feel like I would be a Raven guard. Like that that would be my choice. Like that's how I would like that's how I would go to battle is like sneaky. So that, that's that's what I think. Yeah. I can see that. Imp- I'm I'm a, I'm a pussy, I guess when it comes down. <laughs> like like <laughs> when you really like when you really like sum it all up, like I don't like I'm not going to run head head first into death. So, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? I would be an imperial fist or an iron warrior. I think you lean more towards the Iron Warrior. If I had to, if I had to throw it out there, yeah, I'm. I have a lot of like blue collar workman type qualities where I'll, I'm good at like just grinding through stuff and getting it done. And I like kind of like I like to make a list and set a goal and like don't let anything stop me from achieving that goal. And I'm good with like tedium shit like that that kind of stuff doesn't bother me um but i do like have kind of like a dark sense of humor about it you know what i mean like it's like i don't you know what i mean like it's it's like ah, i gotta do this like let's might as well just make jokes about it and do it you know what i mean but it does get done um and i'm also good at holding a grudge <laughs> all very true that's what it is that is like i I could not argue otherwise. Like you're very calculated in everything you do. You're very tactical. Uh, so, and I could definitely see you being an iron warrior. Like I could absolutely see that. And like I could, uh, like a warsmith for sure. Like absolutely. Yeah. I like to plan. I like to really plan things out and, and, uh, have a very like set, goal like set objective and set parameters on how to get to that objective and whatever and you know try to stick to that and get it done i dig it stubborn and hard-headed for sure (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) what about you Derek? all right well i come to find out probably not space wolves like i know i've uh, come out a couple times where uh, I kind of disagree, I guess, a lot with some of the Space Wolves community on a few things. Like, I've come to find out. Like, I still love, I, I love Space Wolves still. I think they're cool as hell. But uh, as for, like, me, like, personally, I think I can see myself being a little more, like, Alpha Legion. Because I try to go a little more for, like, flexibility. Usually, like, I, I might know what I need to do today. I know there's probably going to be a whole bunch of other stuff that's going to come up on, on the spot. So I try to be like as flexible as I can. Yeah, but do you like constantly change allegiance and fuck your friends over? I don't know that. As a matter of fact. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Well, since we're talking about it right now. (laughs) I mean, I was going to surprise you with it, but. uh... I've known Derek for a while and uh, Derek always has. Actually, let me go ahead and. Derek has a long con going on right now with our friend Golki. Where he gave him the wrong number years ago by like one digit, and we all have to tell Goki that that's the right number. Like so, like Derek has like long cons that like he just like puts in like different places, 
just for his own like nobody knows why he does these things shits and gigs man yeah like so so yeah no i could definitely see some alpha legion in dirk like for sure like i thinking about it now like some of the weirdest shit like it's like no no i got a thing going just just go with it it's like what like you (laughs) now it all makes sense yeah i guess alpha legion for Derek. yeah I guess I guess because Scott's not here, we can only speculate. Him like, uh, what, what do you think? What do you think Scott would be? An ultramarine, probably. Um, I don't know. I want to. Let's just ask Scott. We'll let him answer it. <laughs> <laughs> just like fucked up. Like I don't know. I feel like uh, Scott would definitely be like a thousand son if I had to pick anything for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what does he usually play? Like chaotic neutral. Like what is he? Like, Iron Hand maybe. I guess uh, I guess we'll have to ask him himself what he'd be. He missed out on this one, but we'll figure it out. So, anyway, so that's it for voicemails, Ryan. Man, uh, from what I understand, we got one list to go over, and that's going to be Scott's list he sent you for uh, for your event coming up. Yep, and he sent it literally. Uh like right before he got off the show. So it's not like I've, I haven't looked at it or I'm looking at it right now for the first time. So we're just going to go off the cuff with it, Dig it. on thoughts. You, you guys can help. You guys can help out here. So it's a 3000 point, uh, iron warriors list. And just Petarabo. Yeah. So it's pride. It's a pride of the Legion list. So for his Lord of war, he's got Petarabo and he took the hammer with him. And he's using Petarabo to take Pride of the Legion. Um, then for his uh, HQs, he's got a Siegebreaker in Cataphracty Armor with Commulter and Power Weapon. <laughs> and this is the guy that has been a source of contention our entire friendship because he has this stupid Siegebreaker with a fuck, fuck a power sword in <laughs> Cataphracty Armor. <laughs> like of all the free power weapons to choose from on a siege breaker, why the fuck did you glue a power sword on this guy? <laughs> and <laughs> and we laugh about it every game. Like every time I see that guy, and uh, Michael can attest, we were just joking before this show that the next time I see that stupid thing on the table, I'm gonna like pretend to just be admiring it and uh break that sword off and lose it, and then like go, oh, I don't have any swords to replace it with, but I do have this axe here. If you want to borrow one of these axes, or I, I can, uh, I have these extra chain fist arms. If you want to repay this chain fist arm, but uh, no, Scott <laughs> likes it. He just modeled it that way because he thinks it looks cool and it's unique. And he was just like, ah, oh, this guy's got a sword. So, yeah. So anyway, there's like a little bit of a story behind that guy. It's kind of funny. So it's funny at this point. I hope he doesn't change it. Um, next HQ is a uh, Pravian with uh, Artificer armor, bolt pistol, thunder hammer, uh, combi melta. And uh, his squad that he took with his Pravian is three Castellacs, um, and he's selecting Scout with those guys. Um, so he'll either outflank with them or just you know get an extra six-inch deployment, whatever he chooses to do. And he's take all three of them have multi-meltas, um, all three of them have dual flamers, and all three of them have power blades. So these are going to be like more close-in Castellacs, um, which is. Uh, you know, pretty badass. They're going to be able to lay down, you know, dual flamer templates, shoot with that multi-melta, and then when they get into assault, they'll be plus one strength and have that extra attack. So that's pretty cool. Um, then his third and final HQ choice is a Master of the Signal in Artificer Armor with no upgrades. 
Um, then because it's Pride of the Legion, he's allowed to take veterans as troops, and that's what he's done. So he's got a 10-man veteran squad uh, with uh, marksmen. Um, and two of them have melta guns, and the rest just have bolts. And they're in a rhino with pinnel-mounted dozer blade. Or, sorry, pinnel-mounted dozer blade. <laughs> they're in a rhino <laughs> with pinnel-mounted multi-melta and a dozer blade. So they have a dozer blade and they have a multi-melta, but the multi-melta is what is pinnel-mounted. Um, then he has a second squad that is uh, completely identical to that one. So two squads that are the same. Then he's got a squad of 10 Terminators. Um, I'm thinking they're Cataphracty. He doesn't say, but I'm pretty sure his, cat, his Terminators are Cataphracty. So the Sergeant has a Combi Bolter and Power Weapon. Um, then the, out of the nine normal Terminators, uh, two of them have Power Fist, two of them have Lightning Claws, four of them have Chain Fist, and one of them has a pair of Lightning Claws. Um, and they're on foot, but I'm guessing he's going to deep strike them with Petarabo. Um, then he has for an elite slot, a battery of quad mortars. So it's three quad mortars with, uh, shatter shells and phosphix shells. Um, then he's got a, uh, for heavy sport, he's got a Castus assault ramp with frag assault launchers. And then he's got for another heavy support choice, five Tyrant Siege Terminators, uh, just base. So, um, let's see what he says. He says, Master Signal goes with the quads, so he'll be able to add his bombardment to that, and then uh, he also raises their ballistic skill by one, so they'll scatter a little less on their uh, direct fire shells are better when he uses his uh, Cognos Signal. And then he says the Breaker and Purdy go with the Tyrants. So the Siege Breaker going with the Tyrus makes their missile launchers Tank Hunter, and then Perturabo in there, he can use his Cognos Signum to raise their ballistic skill to five, and then Perturabo also has that cool orbital bombardment stuff. So the cool thing about this list is, and I guess that's why he probably put um, Scout on his uh, Pravian, is because Perturabo allows you to uh, roll for reserves turn one. So if you think about it, normally I steer people away from putting assault units in uh, flyers that uh, aren't like a Charybdis that deep strike in turn one. So I'm guessing these 10, ten Terminators go in the uh, assault ram. Well, it's not so bad per hour because they'll come in turn one. So you can come in turn one and then on turn two go into hover mode and assault. So you're still assaulting turn two potentially, which you know is no different than running a Charybdis or whatever like that. So it's not guaranteed because you're just coming in on a three up instead of guaranteed, but it's it's still... Uh, pretty good. And then that uh, Assault Ram has that big uh, melt weapon on it. Plus, I know Scott just loves the model and he's been wanting to run one for a long time. So we had talked about him running one. I'm like, well, you play the Legion that if I was going to take one, I would take it in, which is Iron Warriors because they can get it turn one. Um, the other thing is with these uh, the scouting uh, Castellacs and the, and the scouting flanking marksman vets you can put all that stuff in reserve and outflank with it and you can start beginning to roll for outflank with it on turn one with Petarabo and then Petarabo can arrive via deep strike with the tyrant siege terminators and the siege breaker so you could literally start with everything in this army off the board except for the rapiers and uh, uh, deep strike it all in fly it in and, and outflank it so I actually really like the list I think it's fluffy um, I don't think any of it's you know, uh, cheesy at all. I mean, he's got one unit of quad mortars with phosphex, but it's a single unit. He's he is has maxed it out, but he's not like 
tried to split it into because uh, he has all his elites open, so he could theoretically split them all into separate, you know, units where you got one, one, and one if he wanted to, you know, make it a little rougher. Um, but he's right now he's just got it all in three, uh, all three in one of them. Um, so yeah, I like the list. I don't see anything like, you know, glaringly wrong with it or anything like that. Um, the other thing, like these, uh, he's almost. He's kind of, I mean, he's not totally even locked into making the uh, veterans outflank. Like if if he's if he's rolled where he's going to end up going first in the game, and he doesn't see like any good reason to outflank those guys, he could always pick a different veteran skill for him and not have to rely on um, rolling for reserve turn one or anything like that if he didn't want to. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's a good list. Would you guys change anything other than the fucking power sword on the siege breaker? No, no, uh, I've got nothing. Maybe the uh, I know that you don't like dual lightning claws, but everything he's only got a single play. guy with it in the unit. Yeah, I think just one guy in the unit has it because he's got power nine terminators, so he's got two power fists, two norm, two single lightning claws, four chain fist, and one with a pair of lightning claws. So he probably just did that to fit some points in, and maybe he has a guy that's modeled cool or something like that. So. Even if he dropped that, it only saves him 10 points. I guess if uh, if he needed something that... Because he says right here his list is exactly 3,000 points. If there was something that he just really wanted to add but you know couldn't shave points, that would be the first thing I'd probably save is just drop that guy down to a single lightning claw. Save 10 points. Yeah. No, but besides that, man, sounds like a fun list. Sounds like a nice... Uh... Cestus surprise comes at you first turn. So, uh, yeah. while you're trying to deal with marksman vets behind you, so, so yeah, yeah, sounds like fun. Like like we said, if it was my list, I would drop those lightning claws, go to a single lightning claw, and then take those ten points and buy that fucking cataphracty guy chain fist instead of that power sword. There you go. That's what I would change because I got to change. Got to change something. That's what I would change. So dig it, man. Hopefully Scott's listening right now. I'm sure he is. Probably. Th- still thinking about his legion that he would pick uh but glad that's out of the way so i guess that's gonna wrap it up for this podcast guys uh sorry about the sound issues i kept i hear i kept hearing it this podcast too something about that scrapiness i, I hear it like with skype i don't know what's been going on with that but we we're trying to fix it uh trying to try different things to get it done we have a, a mumble account that we haven't even touched so we might have to start switching over to that, uh, but definitely something we are working on. Something we're we're trying to get fixed. If you have, if there's anybody out yep. there that knows what's causing it, please reach out to us and let us know. But I definitely could hear it every time. Uh, every time the, the Skype end would would start talking, so I don't know what's causing that. But anyway, uh, if you want to reach out to us, guys, make sure you go to our Facebook page, Radio Freest Van, and uh, you can post on our wall you can talk to us uh, through uh through facebook messenger of course our emails are michael ryan scott and Derek at warhammer30k.com shoot us an email if you have any questions on anything or if you have any uh stories you want to send us or anything like that uh as well send us any of your ideas for camp heresy that you'd like uh to see when that goes down we are looking for suggestions for that and if you really enjoy our show, you can support us on Patreon. We do have a Patreon group and Patreon chat that 
we have completely separate uh, from our normal chat, and uh, we talk to them all day. All we see their hobby progress, everything like that. They get cool swag that uh, we we try and have as many perks as we can for them as as possible, and uh, we really do appreciate them supporting our podcast. Um, but uh, that's all I got. Make sure you go check out our friends over at uh, we got Perpetual Painting Dave, we got Black Label Painting David, and now we have Invested Painting. He he called in today, so go check them out. Do you have any shout outs you want to give out, Ryan? Um, Stuart over at Geno Five Two in the UK, he's a miniature realms painting. If you're so, if you're in the UK and not the US, and you listen to us, he's a really good commission painter. Um, and then, um, I'm trying to think. I think I can't remember any of the Australia guys because I was trying to give painting studios for people that you know aren't necessarily in the US if they need. Oh, also, oh, Miles over at Little Legend in the UK too is really good. And then, um. You want to do a cultural exchange wheel, not this week, but next week? I figured we could let people know so they would know to share this episode to get in on it if you want to do oh, one next absolutely. week. I'm always game for a cultural exchange. So, yeah, let's do a cult. We'll do a spin on the cultural exchange next week. So if you're listening to this and you heard that, make sure to share this episode. And um, we spin this wheel. And if it, you know, people who've listened to the show for a while, just, just share the episode. Only good things will happen if you share the episode. We'll get to the <laughs> rules and regulations of what's fucking going on next week. But let's just say it's like Wheel of Fortune, but on a podcast, you spin this fucking wheel. It can land on slot to uh, win you free fucking food that I send you. So that's kind of what goes on. So share the episode, and you're entered to win. Share the episode on the Facebook post, guys, and you're entered to win. Got to play to win, boys. Anything else you want to shout out, Derek? Uh. No, I'm pretty pretty good. I've been, haven't got anything. Dig it. All right, guys. Like I said, uh, make sure you go check out Black Label Painting. He's got that giveaway coming up. Go check out his Facebook page. We are out. Gotta relax. This is Earth Radio, and now here's human music. Hmm. Human music. I like it.